the star. The star. The star. Yeah, yeah, y'all already know. Y'all already know. Seven the pants, seven the pants. That dude fizz on the beers on the beat. Yeah, yeah. We live in entertainment, entertainment. Sound change, sound change, sound change. Crown the king, crown the king's only. This is where it get ill. About to have a tip off live as a tip drill. From the court to the diamond to the track to the big skin flying round the field. Starting five forever, keeping it real. If it matters in the world of sports, world of sports, jeans and long sleeves, they taking no shorts. So hot to death, oh yes. These other sports podcasts live as a bro's corpse. This market wave is starting five goes off, goes off. No matter who you cheer for, emotions out the window. They analyzing with clear thoughts. They taking way deeper than the boys ever for. No longer got any use for the four letters The latest news, score stats in the view from the sideline Ain't no guideline, it's just the truth, just the truth yeah. No need to dig for a part in line It's always this season, the people start five We're going in on three, run the baseline, start five, get it We got what you need, if the sports news you see We don't waste time, we talking cause we living We got what you need, we're going in on three Run the baseline, start five, get it We got what you need, What's up, y'all? Thank you for tuning in to the Star 5 Podcast. What I need y'all to do now is hit up the Starting5Podcast.com. That's where you'll be able to find all of our podcast streaming links, our Instagram, our merch link. You can even become a patron right at the front page. And also, you can leave us a voicemail at 929-352-6219, and we'll play your voicemail on the next episode. New episodes released every Thursday. Uh, we're about to go. Uh, it's showing live on the Zoom. It didn't pop up Facebook yet, but it's showing live on Zoom. It says live Hold on up. Facebook. It shows live on Facebook. That means, motherfucker, we are live, y'all. <laughs> What's going on? It's your boy, the mayor. That DJ named Ace Five. Your mom's favorite fat guy. All the way in deepest, darkest Africa. I didn't know Africa had buses, if y'all who just saw that. But now, nah, Africa, plenty of countries in Africa got buses. Let me stop being disrespectful to my people. Back with the newest episode of The Start of Five. As y'all see, discontinued old school merch. This is where the starting five all got started. It's a little bit of history, y'all, established in 2014. Back when we was the talk of my team network. Shout out to my brother, LG. Man, I've been at this shit for so long. But let me not go any further about myself because it ain't about me right now. It's about all of us here. And first up, I got to go to the first lady of the starting five. Well, what's up, everyone? It has been a very interesting weekend and week. Um, shout out to um, True Radio Network and uh, a certain group called Sports on the Hill. You'll find out more about them in a minute. <laughs> shout out to, uh, of course, the starting five and the mayor, who's always um, ready for something and always open to everything, which uh, all things issues and every wise and shout out to everyone coming on to the live. Yeah, but every everything ain't open on the mayor. Just remember that. <laughs> I might be open for everything, but I ain't open for everything. <laughs> Stays closed all the way. Through. 
But anyway, next up, as mentioned in the comment of the show, we got some of the true radio all-stars coming through tonight. First up, the one that's here right now, who's also, by the way, simulcasting with us on his feed. Yes, the homie CP3. How you What's doing? What's going man? on, good brother? What's going on? Hopefully y'all can hear me okay right now. Uh, yeah, CP3 live in the lab coming for the starting five. Appreciate y'all having me on tonight. Yes, sir. Well, we hear you, but you got to speak up louder into our mic on top on top of yours. You know, if you if you depending on how you position the mic, you can actually position it enough to uh you you could get uh the feed on both mics. Mm-hmm. All good. A bit better now. I'm making sure I got my levels right and everything. You know, I'm over here with the engineering lad trying to do some new things, bring some new excitement to sports on the hill. Uh, it's all it's all right. You don't have to talk directly into the mic. Like I was saying, I'll just use this unless cigar as a if you'll get it, you'll get it in time when you when you're setting up your audio because you can also use your mic and just position it in a place to where it will catch as long as you look at your levels on your mixer. But I know I can tell here you're talking into your computer's mic through the Zoom. That's why you sounded louder with the microphone away. Well, I'm actually using a multiple uh, output where I'm going through the laptop and because I have dynamic mics. I don't have a condenser mics where it picks up all the ambient sound. I actually have a yeah. dynamic also with the mic hooked up to the laptop. So I'm going to turn my levels up a little bit higher on my OBS to see if that can help out with you guys' feed. Because uh, it sounds like I'm coming in pretty good on my feed on this end. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you're going to come in good on your feed. But nonetheless, thank you for even helping support and blast us out there a little further on your feed. Hopefully we're getting a bunch of views on there. Let the people know right now where your feed is too for anybody else who is uh who's checking us out that maybe can go and support you also. Yeah, you can check me out on YouTube, Carol Porter the Third with three eyes. I'm streaming live on YouTube, streaming live on Periscope, also the same Carol Porter the Third with three eyes. So you can check me out on there. And uh I'll also probably be chopping this video up and throwing it out on IG a little bit later on because we believe in promoting each other's podcast and supporting each other and branching out in different uh, environments that I normally wouldn't be touching. So I appreciate y'all having me on tonight. Yeah, well, definitely, man. And one of the things, if Qatar has never told you in the past, is we work with everybody. And to be honest with you, we can, I mean, me and Qatar have now known each other for at least four years now, roughly. We've kind of already established the starting five true radio network working relationship so whenever y'all want to come through it's always never a problem y'all get bigged up and shouted out by this woman by myself just about every episode so again man thank you for coming on thank you for being a part of this and uh i gotta throw it to the first lady because she's got a little giveaway for y'all tonight all right it might not start well she'll let us know if it's starting tonight or not but Go ahead, Katara. I actually, it is, oh, yeah, it is technically starting um, for those who are in the live. So whoever's in the live, and I'm going to shout out some names, Sammy, I see um, Lizzie, I see Troy, um, I see Troy, oh, excuse me, I just said Troy. But anyway, so let's just talk about the giveaway. I'm officially start. I'm starting it for the regular starting five group tomorrow. 
But for those who are in the live tonight, what you're going to do, um, I'm giving away two masks, a Hello Kitty mask, and then a, like a bling Black Lives, uh, Black Lives Matter mask, if I can talk. Okay, so what you're going to do is you're going to go to the starting five podcast.com you're going to go on katara's corner you're going to see that i have some I, I have some blogs already out uh ones on my promo ones on just tips on working from home okay what all you all you need to do is hit that like button or the love or that heart leave me a comment on any of the um blogs if you want to give me some constructive criticisms great if you just want to say hi great once you leave me a comment come message me and say hey i left a comment you'll be entered to get a mask okay very simple i'm keeping it simple right now because next time we have a giveaway it's going to be harder so uh for those of you who are in the lives right now what is on the live right now if you go ahead and do that right now and then you message me, I'll write your name down. Now, tomorrow, when I post it in the starting five group, I'm going to have a separate uh, um, a separate post where they have to say, hey, done, It once they message me. Okay, but that's not to y'all. If you guys message me tonight, I'm writing you down, and then you're already entered. Okay? So that is my giveaway. Any questions, feel free to ask here on the live or message me. And um, I have the I have the questions right away. Actually, okay. How long are you running this for? Um, I'm gonna run it until Friday. Sorry, I'm 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 all over the place. Friday. So Friday at midnight. Friday, right before it hits one o'clock, going into Saturday. Um, that's when I'm gonna close it off. So, okay. So Saturday, at what time are you gonna give the winners? Um, I will announce the winners probably Saturday afternoon. I'll just say, you know, and the winner is, or winners, since there's two masks, winners. And then then they'll just, all they have to do is message me their address so I can send them the mask. Okay, cool, cool. And Troy just said, it's 12, it's 12.15 a.m. here, and it's too late for me to remember all of that right now. <laughs> uh -huh. But okay. as y'all see, as y'all see in the feed of the show, I posted the link to Katara's corner. So do like she said, man. Show some likes and some hearts on her blog posts that are currently up. New ones gonna come up either later tonight or tomorrow. Uh, probably tonight while I edit up this show. She's got a new one in the in the tank, ready to go. So please continue to do that. Support Katara's uh, Katara's Corner. I'll show y'all the website right now. Why the fuck not? Here is a look at Katara's Corner. These are the three blogs she mentioned. So all you got to do is do what I did. She's not adding me in, but do what I did. Give them a couple hearts. Like them. You could even write comments on them. Okay? Write comments. Let, let her know how you feel. And she will go through as she mentioned. She's going to collect... All the names do the drawing Friday, you know, do the drawing for Saturday and alert y'all once the drawing is complete. But while you're on the website, make sure you hit that merch page. As always, cop yourself a shirt, phone case. As you see, I got the funky fresh phone case right there, iPhone 11, water bottles, tank tops. 
tank tops like uh thanks to Lisi in the comments she just caught the tank top a couple months ago a couple other people caught some t-shirts we got the old school phone cases things like that support us there podcast link you'll get our anchor feed and listen to all of our old shows in podcast format shout outs to crazy eight the great dope conversation with him you can see the conversation with me that Katara had on Katara's Cafe podcast. It's right there. Also, you can find us on all of these streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Radio Public. That is enough for the damn website. Y'all should know this by now. Y'all should be <laughs> sharing it with your people right now. Oh, true. And shout out to Lisa again. She said, I wear my tank top when I watch. <laughs> That's like a true, like, like, going to a rock concert and wearing the band's t-shirt. That's dope. <laughs> but anyway, y'all, let's get right into some of these topics. Uh, we're waiting for the, the old man JP is going to be on with us in a little while. He's just handling some things pre-show. But first up, we're going to start with this here. This little piece of controversy just came down as shown here on the Screen Ram website. Big ups to them 12 hours ago. John Boyega criticizes Star Wars of handling of his character, Finn. Now, Katara could elaborate a little more, just to paraphrase. It, he, he basically started to complain more about, in, in my point of view of it, the representation ap, uh, uh, side of the character and how like it was just kind of used for just promoting blackness like hey we finally got a black person in in uh in space with us that's not named lando calrissian you know but that's how i took the story Kat katara you go ahead a little further on this yeah it was like he was uh i i, I only saw the first one or no i saw the second one and it wasn't good i'm not talking about his well i'm not talking about him but uh, as, as a lifelong Star Wars fan, I was impressed. And with him, it was, he was in the first one, but he was, a le but then he lesser part in the next one. And I heard in the third episode, he was really not really into it. And he's one of the main characters. Um, how his character was, I, I didn't like how his character was. Um, it was, if, if any of you guys realize that, um, and we actually study this in sociology. A lot of times you see black characters and they're only supporting the white characters or they're supporting the love, the love supporters. They're not love, they're not there, it's just them, or they're the they're the wet or they're the uh, comedic one, sidekick. And and it just wasn't uh for him. I, I expected more for Star Wars for for, for Finn. Uh, Finn could have been much more uh, of, of a great character, and that's what he's complaining about. Um, Dan brought up a good point that that he did take the role and he did do the role um, because, well, and 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 I understand Dan, Dan. What Dan said is true, but all of us, and well, me personally, when I first started in radiology and I took my X-ray role. We, we get treated like crap, let's be real. You know, you really find out how doctors get, treat people when you, you, you work with them. And it's, sometimes it's not good. We get yelled at, we're the redheaded stepchild. And so you have to put up with it. So that's how I looked at him doing that. I'm not excusing it because I don't think I can 
do a character like that, it just knowing what I know now. But I guess he was, you know, he was like, oh, you know, he just took it for now, just, to, you know, to, to do his resume. So I can understand that. I just, I, 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 I he, uh, he's been speaking out a lot ex ever since, I, I believe, George Floyd and maybe even before. Um, so this was, a pro it was probably a, a call that he was just tired. He's tired of seeing stuff. He's tired of being put in certain situations where, where his other actors are not. So that's what I got from it. Um, and, and right, but yeah. see, my, my thing behind it, because as you was mentioning, I mentioned in the comments uh, of the article when it was shared earlier today, I was mentioning it on the behalf of like, well, if you didn't like the representation of the role, you read the script, you didn't have to accept the contract to be a part of it but yet he was already a known actor but let's be real the star wars universe is bigger than yeah. every single role that that man has been a part of so if they're throwing the contract at you they're throwing the role at you it's almost like it would behoove you to not take that role but then still you got lawyers for a reason. You right. got, you know, so you can get out of these contracts. You're just not going to leave with that money, plain and simple. But right. point is, is, you took the role. Now, I dig the point on representation and all of that, because representation definitely does matter. It's one of the bigger things that the millennials have been screaming within the past 10 to 15 years thus far is about representation, having proper representation. Things like this, Star Wars, you know, we've been looking for we've been looking for niggas in space forever, even though a tribe <laughs> called Quest just said it to us. Ain't no space program for you niggas, so you stuck here. So what is it, John Boy? <laughs> like, are you stuck? Like, what do you want to be a part of the universe? Do you not want to be a part of the universe? But again, I respect his feeling of the role. He played the role. My opinion, he did well. He represented us fellow garbage men. Great, because he was a garbage man as a as a, a store trooper, so he right. represented for us. But as a representation of black folks, I'm not saying you know you just take what you get, but also you took the role. You have to read the script in taking the role. You could have turned around and said, "Nah, this ain't this isn't what I represent." Now, times are different. You learn things as you grow. He, this this looks more like a change of heart type of thing. Right. I did it. I look back. If I could I'm gonna let Carol have it. Yeah. If I could chime in real quick, I mean, I I'm a Star Wars guy. So, like you said, to have a African American represented in space is major with the movement that's going on. When we talked about the whitewashing of movies going all the way back to Elizabeth Taylor playing Cleopatra, and we can talk about all of that. But uh, to me, I mean, with an actor, when they read the script, the script is set up a certain way. But we know it doesn't matter how the script is written. It's all about how it's edited. So I'm thinking I'm taking that more as he didn't like the way that, <clears throat> say, his, his character was portrayed after all of the edits and all of the stuff that ended up on the cutting floor. He might have had a, dynamic, a more dynamic role in the movie. But because of the cutting room floor, they might have you know, edited some of the critical roles or critical dialogue he might have had in the movie. So I'm, I'm thinking that goes a little bit more to maybe what he was thinking, not just the role that they, you know, they put him out there for the first one 
in the second one he was in, he wasn't really as prevalent. You know, he might have had some crucial scenes that might have ended up on the on the editing floor that, you know, he was upset about after the fact. Because I've uh, watched a couple of actors say that, you know, certain movies they were in, when they actually saw the final production, you know, they had a great dialogue or a great scene with such and such, and it didn't make the final project. And they were, you know, a little upset because they felt like they put their blood, sweat, and tears into that dialogue and it didn't get, you know, put into the, the final product. So I, I don't know if it's more buyer's remorse of him thinking that, oh, well, I shouldn't have took this role, boom, boom, boom. I'm thinking it's more of an editing thing that maybe he didn't get portrayed the way that he thought he would when he saw the script originally. Good point. Great points, man, because, yeah, the editing room floor is a motherfucker for some people. And, yeah, a lot of things. But that's that's one of the things. It's like a lot of things could get chopped out. A lot of things get added in, like thinking um, like amongst like comedic movies. When you got two comedians, excuse me, when you got two comedians together, you know, comedians ad lib go off the top all the time. And a lot of the times, I would say eight of the times, a lot of those ad lib moments do get left in because they're so damn funny. But let's also remember, just thinking in the Star Wars universe itself, he was a stormtrooper that became a part of the major story. So first, stormtroopers aren't even secondary or tertiary characters. That's background cannon fodder, usually. Mm-hmm. But they utilize that moment to bring this black person into the universe. Beautiful thing. Beautiful part of the story. But he was never a part of, he was never a main cog in the wheel anyway. It was always a story that led to us understanding the, I guess, that Ren and, and Kylo Ren and, and Ray were brothers. I believe they're brother and sister or something to that effect. And, and it's about their struggles, about the newfound power in the dark side and newfound power on the, the rebel light side and watching their evolution. It wasn't about Finn. Finn was a secondary guy. If that, Finn was a secondary guy. So to, 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 to complain about the prominence in your role in the movie, again, did you read the script that you were handed to know that you was not a major, like your role isn't, it's a major part, but it's not a major part. If you kind of dig how I'm saying it, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's it's so it's 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 that iffy thing. But again, bringing it back to blackness, I can understand when you feel like we as a people wasn't represented properly on the lens through you, and that's a huge weight to want to carry. In a way, if you think about it like that, that's a huge weight to want to carry. Definitely, that's that's something most actors probably you know look for the role. I know we're going to speak about uh, Chadwick Boseman a little bit later on in his passing, but that was one of the things that resonated with most of the you know folks that came out with the roles that he played, Thurgood Marshall, uh, Black Panther, James Brown. He knew the importance of playing that role because actually him getting the role of 42, him and a couple of other retired ball players were out, you know, doing some community events and they were talking about Jackie Robinson and most of the youth had no idea who it was. So when he got that role, he knew the importance of representing him in a proper light because now movies are like our history books because of the way they're whitewashing history and trying to change the narrative of 
how this country was formed and founded and trying to make themselves feel better. Uh, now the children aren't getting a proper education of the real reality of what history was and not trying to, you know, pander to this group or pander to that group. So he took that role, those roles very seriously. And that's why a lot of, uh, you know, actors and people that watch his movies are so hurt by his passing because they know the dedication that he put into his craft and the responsibility he had for those roles. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, we're, we're in the times where a lot of the youth is displaying a level of consciousness, consciousness that many of us that grew up in the 80s, 90s, stuff like that, we had our own different levels of consciousness, but it's, it's, it's like further expanding now into the realms of that, that it's actually knocking down doors when we're talking about Hollywood, sports. Right. Uh, uh, we're we're going to talk about the NBA situation in a little while, too. But, you know, it, it's the level of consciousness amongst the youth is getting so big that, yeah, in my opinion, by way of this article, this just it, it looked like he, that he had some sort of an awakening that just just made him say like, hey, on a rewatch or two, like, I don't, you know, like you kind of used me, you, you kind of which let's be real. It happens in Hollywood all the time. It was always called the token black mm, yeah it was always called the token black you know and it, it just depends on how you carry yourself as said token right right you um, know? and and like wait, real quick i'll let you get it back but troy made a great comment too to add on he said also to help with leaks some people don't get all the script just what they need to know for their role so that's another good added on piece to 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 everything he probably he might have just gotten his pieces and was told okay we're up to this part of the script definitely that's definitely a possibility also um yeah yeah it's yeah like you see you guys you both brought up great points we're all i i believe we're all generation x so we and honestly we we helped uh the and 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 you know no no disrespect to millennials or or anything else but we helped the millennials see it because we be saying when we watch tv before social media we were saying the same thing i'm like okay where's any black people in it token okay some of us were yeah, some yeah. Of us. because i i tell you right now when i'm outside and i go to the stores and stuff like that my wife hates it when i do this but i definitely play count the pepper when I'm outside. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, no, and that's understandable. But but yeah, when we watching shows, when we were growing up and everything before social media, we looking like, okay, how many, th th he's the token black guy. He's this, why is this that? And we did express it. We weren't, but our voices weren't heard as much as our, our next uh, millennials and then my son's generation, Generation Z, because we did not have social media yet, or it wasn't as big. Um, you know, we had social, we had like AOL, but yeah, okay. So, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was, it was just, we, no one heard us unless we were all spoken out all the time, every day in everybody's faces. So, so that, that's, that's just a little bit of the difference, but definitely, um, it's it's we're, we're i'm finally glad he's speaking out because a lot of us were like okay he's a token and we don't want to say anything because he's you know he's 
it, you know, once he started speaking out, we're like, okay, thank you, thank you, and and, and we're great. So I'm, I'm glad he got his awakening, uh, woken up, Paul, if you say, if you will. So that that's always good, always good when they do that. Um, okay, so, uh. Yeah, I think we ran this course on that yeah. one. Um, <laughs> next up, now next up, we got to talk about some of the advancements on uh, Breonna Taylor case. As always, rest in peace to her. Uh, the fuckery continues, and they really, really tried to get us. And I'm saying us as a community because we're all standing behind. We've all been standing behind her. We've all been paying close attention to what's going on in this case. And this here is hella point, uh, important, that prosecutors had a plea deal for a drug suspect, which was, I believe, known to be Brianna's ex-boyfriend. And in said plea deal, there was writings that they wanted him to admit to or as the lawyers, his lawyers are putting it, lie and say that Breonna Taylor was a part of his organization. I think we're all thankful for this lawyer to bring this information to light to everybody. And and this is, uh, it's, Carol, this is the Just Us system, once again, working its freaking magic. Well, uh, this is, uh, it's, it's, it's just so much going on. All you can do is take a deep breath before you start discussing stuff like this. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the political front and uh, just with this piece of information coming out, along with the information about um, Jacob Blakely uh, being handcuffed to his bed on supposable uh, rape allegations and all this and that, it's 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 what this country does, and it simply comes down to it. It's all right if it's all white. We are a perceived threat from birth, and apparently in our sleep, to the fact where you can have a no-knock warrant for an apparent suspect that's already locked up, and then you you know the man is trying to protect his home when he hears someone breaking in, and then you fire seven shots into a woman that was resting from you know doing her job trying to help in the COVID situation. Um, we, we I, I'm in a unique position because I've been on both sides of the, the law. I've been harassed, profiled, taken for a ride, all that good stuff. And I'm also, my mom was also a civilian and worked for the police department for 15 years. So I actually sat across and ate dinner with some of these folks. So the narrative I try to push is they're not all bad but the ones that are outweigh the good because of the thin blue line. And this is, I guess, the thing that folks have a hard time wrapping their head around. When you have bad cops and you have good cops that report those bad cops because of the so-called brotherhood of thin blue line, then you have the problem of this person that's reporting is going to come out. And then when the call comes out that he needs help, he's not necessarily going to get it because his so-called brothers think he's crossed the line. And then the DA, when they do get a case of police brutality or whatever, they're not really going to push it because they need the police to make their case. So if the word gets out that they're prosecuting their fellow brothers, then the cops are going to stop helping them out and then they get voted out or lose their job. And then you get someone else in there that's going to perpetuate the, the thin blue line and the 
I had fear for my life or whatever BS rule they are, protocol they already have set up to, you know, get out of doing some of the wrongdoing that they're doing. I mean, these ploys and these tricks we've seen through the history of our culture. And you just look at the, the time, the, the different reports of the guy in Kenosha that, you know, killed two, and two uh, protesters. They're lauding him as he was cleaning graffiti and he was, you know, he was protecting property and all this and that. But then you have a 17-year-old Trayvon Martin who was walking with a bag of Skittles and he's a thug and they found marijuana in his system after the fact. It's just what this country does. So this stuff really isn't a shock to me. The shock is that some people are shocked to the extent that they will go to try to spread their narrative and put that fear factor or that reasonable doubt factor out there because it's no longer about being right. It's about winning and depends on what your definition of winning is. That's what we have now in the police department and the prosecutor's offices. A lot of folks are just trying to keep their job by getting their numbers up. And unfortunately, because of the systematic racism and profiling, it's mostly minorities get caught up in these situations. But that's why you have all of these DNA sites and all of these uh, second chance uh, programs where they're discounting this DNA or false testimony or police uh, corruption to break this cycle. But only way we can end this is not by defunding the police, but weeding out the ones that are causing the problems. And I know I'm a little long with it. I'm ready to wrap it up. I don't want to take up the whole oh, good. It's all good. If, if you recall, in the early 2000s, there was a police shortage. And they lowered the restrictions and raised the pay. And if you also recall, that's when the KKK were putting out flyers to their brothers to tell them, hey, go join the police force. You can kill niggers as a police officer. And I think that now, 2020, 20 years later, I'm just saying all these cases that we have, I'm feeling that this is the repercussions of those stuff, that stuff that actually came out and has been printed in print. And it's a fact that it's happened, but you still have a certain part of this population that doesn't believe in police brutality or doesn't believe that that's possible. And that's what keeps the narrative going and not even talking about ass hat in chief and some of the statements that he makes and just helps perpetuate the whole racial divide in this country. And it, it's just sickening and sad. And hopefully one day, I don't know when, we can start judging each other on our character and the content instead of our color. Yeah, well, I, I, a couple points off of what you was mentioning. That part right there, we could do that on a daily basis because I like to go by the each one, teach one type of method where you have these, don't be afraid to have these conversations with the person that's next to you. As long as y'all can walk away from it and hey, you might not have a full understanding, but guess what? You at least educated each other on each other's side. However you take from that is up to you. Um, your winning uh, comment, yeah, when it comes to these DAs and prosecutors and all that stuff, all they're thinking is winning so they could get elected for another term to keep their cushy job, to keep the power that they possess. It's that's, yeah. And fellow True Radio Network uh, uh, friend Dan, who was on who came on with us a couple times, he was on with us last week, he made the reminder that you just mentioned where the FBI had put out a thing, a release, mentioning that these police departments, there's, being, there's becoming an influx of KKK members. So yeah, now I'm in New York City. How many of them are coming through New York? I don't know. 
but our hiring process is different. You have to take a test and have college credits. Now, college credits, I think they should specify you should take psych courses and other things like that. They don't. You just need 30 to 60 college credits just to say that you took a little bit of higher education. That doesn't always help in all situations. But in these other places, in these other states and stuff like that, it's as simple as filling out an application and getting a call back. And then you have a 20, 30 plus year career after that. And it's you go into a lot of these small towns where you got populations of 5,000 to 15 to 20,000 where KKK residents might have resided. They don't show none of their tattoos, none of their insignias saying that they're part of it. Go apply. Oh, shit, the captain, the captain just happened to be a friend of mine. He wasn't in the clan, but I know him. He knows me. He could get me in. Hey, I got a reference over here. My brother, uh, my brother uh, Bubba's over here coming through. He wants to get a job, too. And then comes Bubba. And then comes Clarence. And then comes James. And then in comes Bob. And it, 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 it's, it's such a deep-rooted thing that we don't have all the time on. But we do have a new guest on with us, one of the True Radio Network All-Stars, as I'm calling y'all tonight. Robbie Gross, say what's up to the people, Robbie. And yeah. so you know, as you see what we you kind of caught on, we're talking about the new findings behind the Breonna Taylor case. Right. I was actually been listening on CP3's feed while I was putting Zach to bed. So I, I'm I'm all caught up. I, I've loved the conversation all night. Uh, I could have talked about Star Wars. I could have talked about all that stuff. I, I'm mad I wasn't on earlier, but um, oh. it's 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 good to see that people are stepping out and standing up for what they believe in. Right. I mean, it's it's important that we from all groups and backgrounds do that you know it's not just the people of that minority race that have to stand up and not be okay with this anymore and so uh, i think it's important and hopefully we see some more of that you know I, I haven't seen enough of that even today you know you still see i was watching another show and they're talking about music artists and how how few white music artists are doing anything to try to raise up you know the movement and you know they're just everybody's kind of sitting back and seeing how this election goes, right? And seeing, you know, taking cues from that. And uh, no one wants to make a big play before November, it seems. And, uh, you know, the fact that the president discredits this movement to the state that he does and his followers discredit it because of it, it's, it's infuriating. And I'm in constant internet battles to try to, you know, fight for what's right, but it's hard with family, you know, like, and it's just, you know, people just don't see it that way. And they, they vote on a single issue. And, you know, some people vote for just abortion. You know, some Christian, you know, very religious people. And that discredits Biden by itself. And then suddenly I'm like, but you have to look more than a single issue. It's not, th this world is bigger than that. I, I, can, I can get behind where you're coming from. I'm Jewish. I don't believe in that same thing. But I understand it's important to you. But it's a bigger picture thing. People are fearful for their lives right now. And just go into the store. And as a white person, that relative doesn't get that, you know, doesn't feel that every day. And so it's uh, it's hard, you know, to have these arguments with people and how they be like, just don't come to my wall. Just don't answer my things anymore. Don't, you know, but you see it and it's just infuriating. It's tough. Yeah, true indeed. And and I'm, I keep it a thousand all the time. I'm a black person that doesn't go through the same situations either. 
and I, I just got to be honest. Many a times, I'll show y'all right now. Many a times, I've gotten pulled over. This little thing right here, my work badge has gotten me over many a tickets because I'm a city employee. Generally, good cops will kind of respect, like, even if it's something minor, oh, you work for the city too? We're all brothers and You know, we look out for our own. I've had some say that to me, to my face. But also, too, the way I move, the way I don't move in the same type of situations to where I pull that attention towards me. But that doesn't prevent me from being empathetic to my brothers and sisters across the board because this shit is happening across the board. You know, like it's completely annoying, yet also it deflects from the conversation that's being had right now when mostly white folks come out and say, oh, but it's mostly white people that get killed by the cops and this thing happens to us too. But in that same notion, you're taking the simplicity of what you're saying and not putting context to it by way of, well, let's look at statistics. Let's look at the numbers per capita. Who's how many of of each is in the country? So of course your numbers are gonna look bigger. No shit, Sherlock, as us Generation X's used to say back in the day. No fucking shit, Sherlock. There's more of y'all. The numbers are going to be bigger. But when you put it into even deeper perspective against the percentages, guess what? Our numbers look larger because of the percentages. And the other thing that people don't realize is, because I'm going to throw it to Katara, take it from this perspective because it kind of works both ways and how I'm going to break this down. You look at the women's rights movement and how, or, or you just look at how, how black women fight for a lot of causes. And when white women, some might deflect from it, some might step in to help, but realize the fight that black women put in or the fight that women put in, guess what it did? It helped all women across the board. So just as something simple as Black Lives Matter, just stating that we get, we, you should give a damn about our existence. And if laws change to just help us exist, guess what it's going to do? It doesn't exclude you. You still benefit off of it, and it still makes for a better world for you. This is just deep-seated racism that is still, hey, I grew up white. I know this piece of my history. Man, how come I couldn't have what they had back in the day? I want a little bit of piece of that, too, but they're taking it away from us. They're taking away our jobs. They're taking away our rights, our guns, and this. No. Nobody's taking nothing for you. They're trying to make this a better place, a better planet, a better country for everybody to coexist. It's just that simple. Equality is not guaranteed right in this country. And right. that's what the problem is. Yeah. Um, it, it, right, exactly. Um, and, and, and you guys brought up some great points. So I'm going to hit a little bit of it and then I'm going to go back on, take it back to uh, the uh, Brianna Taylor's case. Uh, me being a former um, uh, first responder myself, I, I did get out of a lot of tickets and um, like my car light was out one time. They didn't give me a ticket for 
that. So there was a lot I was, because they saw that I worked for the hospital and they must have, because um, in, in, in even one time I had the wrong license plate in my car and he did not, he just said, you need to go change that like yesterday, you know? So yeah, I, I did get some benefits there, but then I also saw, well, that was just for that, you know, working was a whole different story, but you know, I saw other people not do just just stopping for nothing and getting yelled at for nothing. And insti instead of de-escalating, they instigated it. So now they're the now the person getting stopped is upset. So I saw that a lot. Um, and I'm gonna, let me let me take it because all this go uh, circles back and it has everything to do with what we're talking about with the Brianna Taylor case. Um, you, again. Carol and Dan, and I believe Robbie may have brought this point up as well. I forgot who um, said it. Um, this is classic, them trying to cover this up. They're trying to paint a picture of Brianna Taylor. Classic cover, classic, well, she was this. Well, she was involved with this. That's classic what that is, number one. Number two, with the state attorney or the DA or whatever his, his title is. Um, we all saw him or, well, I didn't watch the RNC, but I know he was at the RNC and he gave a speech. Um, so that in itself just proved what Carol and Dan was saying about, um, just it's, 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 they don't want to say much or whatever. Okay. Meanwhile, the hit or Brianna Taylor's killers are still out there. Okay, now if this was just a case of, okay, it was a mistake, y'all need to step up and say it was a wild goose chase and y'all got the wrong house. Because I'm, I'm hearing some other rumors about it was something different, but we won't get into that now. Say that because those four, and, and this, hasn't, um, this hasn't come out fully yet, but a, a few of those cops, those cops were in a wrong mistaken identity raiding somebody else's house um, a while back and it's on YouTube too. So that's the problem we're having. This is the problem we're having. And instead of just admitting that, now you're trying to cover up and say, oh, well, she was involved in a drug case. No, that's her ex-boyfriend. Notice the word ex. <laughs> so he, he ain't got nothing to do with her. He's nothing at all. Um, and this is a what, and this is a reach. And this is what we're tired of. And we're tired of that. We're tired of the DA not covering, it's, it, it's covering this up because he wants to save his own butt and he wants his cushy job. You need to step up and do the right thing, period. And, 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 and it's silly because let me tell you, the DA is, we all, he's black. And let's be real, they're gonna, they're, when, when stuff hits the fan, I'm not gonna curse, but when you know what hits the fan, it's going to be all blamed on him and he's going to go down and he's going to go down hard. But he wants his cushy job. He wants to do this. He wants to be all with the bigwigs. So he's ignoring this case and, and, and bringing this up. And it's just going to fall apart on him. Meanwhile, Brianna's family is, had, does not have closure. She was sleeping when she got shot. I, and it doesn't even matter what y'all find out in, in fourth grade if she punched a girl. Okay, it, that doesn't matter. She was sleeping when she got shot. And and that's the long and short end of it, period. Yeah, and you, we all know 
they try to they always try to spin to paint a narrative that we are these evil monsters and this that and the third and we always know it's 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 always it's always nothing but nonsense nothing but bs and the oldest man on the boards finally came through he's been seeing it since 1957 it's all jokes what up jp what's going on good brother jp you're here but you're not here Oh, he's here, but no microphone. So we're going <laughs> to let him figure that out while we do that. Big up. You the hear me now? There you go. What's going on? What's going on, man? Meaning technical difficulties. As always. <laughs> <laughs> All good. But, you know, just to catch you up, as you heard us, we were just going into, we, we're actually close to wrapping up. We were talking about the new findings in the Breonna Taylor uh, situation uh, where they tried to, the plea deal that they tried to include on the ex-boyfriend to try to implicate that she was a part of his organization just to throw more dirt on her name that doesn't even apply. Mm. It doesn't make, well, actually... Not surprised. They always try to find dirt on somebody, whatever. That has nothing to do with her being murdered in her bed, though. Okay. Let's say, say, for instance, which we know is not true, suppose she was still with this dude. So what you try to say is you justify her being murdered in bed? Are you kidding me? But that's the American way. That's the American legal system. Every black person that's been shot and killed, if you, if you notice, especially over the last six, seven years, they always want to try to defame their name and put slander on their name and stuff. Like it's as, as if they're not human and like, oh yeah, well, you know, um, Eric Garner was selling Lucy's and stuff. And you, what? Are you serious? The man was choked to death over Lucy's? Michael Brown did this. So he was shot to death in the street? Tamir Rice had a toy gun. Okay, he was 12 years old. Who didn't play with toy guns when we were 12 years old? Breonna Taylor's Ex-boyfriend was a drug. Okay. What's that got to do with right now? What does that have to do with her being murdered? She was sleeping in her bed. No threat to anybody. There's no justifying it. Them cops should be in jail. They should be in jail. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is going to be a little controversial. I'm tired of seeing the hashtags, put the cops in jail who killed Breonna Taylor. No. How about people getting their money together so that, we could, so that way we could do things to, to help alleviate this thing to go on. You know, as far as putting more pressure on these people. People love, I mean, money talks. And if we all put some money together to really help her cause, and we would do it. I've given money to her family. I don't like to say what I do, but I've given money to her family to do the GoFundMe and everything. So we need, we need action instead of words. Because this is, this is horrible what happened to her. She was in bed, sleeping, not a threat to anybody, and she was murdered. I don't give a damn if she was straight to date a, a drug dealer or not. That's not the point. The point was this young sister was murdered, period. Yep. Period. End of story. I mean, it's it's plain out murder, I, and, and it's no other way to put it. Like Katara mentioned, these were officers who have a record 
of this type of discrepancy. Maybe not the killing, but getting cases wrong. Mm -hmm. That's a huge fucking discrepancy as a law enforcement officer. Like mm -hmm. after and and honestly, because of the 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 high level of standards that they are allegedly held to, hmm. they should be investigated deeply off one mistake. And that's one of them things that like it's it shouldn't be like it shouldn't be that it's a uh, that 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 it's again inside entities doing these reviews. And, and then departments everywhere. It should be outside. I agree. And then let me just one last point. And that man, uh, and that fool, that fool down there, that uh, prosecutor should be should be ashamed of himself. He really should be ashamed of himself. He's not prosecuting these these cops and doing his job. There's nothing worse than somebody shucking and jiving Negro. I just leave it at that. I got, I was Facebook sent me something last week. For a word I used against Jason Whitlock last week, so I can't go down that word with the C word. But you know that's what he is, though. Boom! Fuck that nigga, and I'm gonna say it like that. I don't care what y'all think. <laughs> fuck that nigga, Jason Shitlock. All right, don't don't don't, 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 don't get his banned from Facebook. They, they sent me something. Shut up! I told y'all. I'm sorry to say, shut up like that. But Watch I, it. I told y'all for years now. Somebody call that fat fuck and set up the fight. I'm tired of brothers <laughs> like that. That like and, and it's just because it's so blatant with him. And he yeah. used to be, and JP, you know, he used to be all right with his points of views and things like that back in the day. Back in the day, yeah. Until he went to that other side and then he just he showed his true he, colors. Oh, he true true colors is um true like, colors. You gotta take them with a grain of salt. I mean. They're pandering to a certain audience, and the fact that he's on, you know, was on Fox Sports and was on ESPN to give these alternative point of views that a majority of us don't agree with, but that's the representation of this country. That, that's what you, that's what you're going to see, because like they're going to tout out, bring out the the, the uh, rest of peace, Herman Cain, the uh, Ben Carsons, the Jason Whitlocks, the Herschel Walkers, the guys that grew up in a certain time frame and still have that mentality of being second-class citizens, basically. And mm -hmm. we should take whatever we're given and we should be happy because we're not picking cotton and we're not being beat with whips, but it's about equality. And it's about what's written in the founding documents of this country that, you know, all men are supposed to be created equal, even though the next line says that a black man is three-fifths equivalent of a white man, which I find funny because this country is based off hypocrisy and bullshit. So, I mean, we see yep. it found in documents of this country. We see it with the so-called Christopher Columbus uh, discovering a land where people already lived at. You murdered them, put them on reservations to take over the land. But then when you have the Spanish community who's taken over the country by population and not by force, you have a problem with it. But this is how you got the country in the first place. So how can you be upset because another people are taking over the country, not by the way that you did it, raping, pillaging, murdering, and doing all types of foul acts, but by actually just being in a population and being part of the community and building this country up. It, I mean, it, it goes to the core of what this country is. And that's why I can say that all of this stuff is coming out. And that's why you have all of these folks is upset because it's attacking their core values of what they daddy and their granddaddies and told them that this country was so great and all this other BS. And I continue to say this country was never great. 
It was better than other countries because they built the economy off of slave labor, which propelled them into the industrial revolution, which gave them the head, the leg up on everyone else. Now the decisions this country has made over the last 30 to 40 years has put us back. And now they want to play victim and blame everybody else for the downfall of this country and don't want to look themselves in the mirror. They want to point at everybody else, which remember, you got and the only yeah. and the only downfall is what I mentioned before. You can't have what your ancestors had. You want to be able to carry on the same things that some of your ancestors did. And you can't. I mean, and frankly, I mean, your ass wasn't even born in that time. Shit was already progressed way past that time. So what are you doing? Why y'all even acting like that? What like what the fuck is wrong? There's no reason for any of my, anybody to act like that. Especially growing up the way that we all have. We've grown up in mixed societies, mixed communities for the most part. For the most part. But all in all, it's just a matter of being empathetic to the other side that you don't know and you're not familiar with. That's it. Have a little bit of empathy. Have just a little bit of empathy for what's going on for the other side. You claim you're for all humanity. You scream all lives matter, which we all know is a deflector, even though we who say black lives matter, we know all lives matter. But it goes back to what I said before. If things get better for us, it also gets better for you by proxy. It's just how it goes. It's so simple. They're not going to see it because, like you said, they all see it from their own point of view. Uh, I mention all the time on a, on a, one of the other shows that I do, back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, folks actually cared about their fellow man. We actually had hands across America. I was a Boy Scout from the age six until 17. So I remember being down at the mall uh, holding hands with somebody I had no idea who it was, but we we're all raising money for less fortunate folks on the other side of the country that we would never meet on the other side of the world. And now the mentality is, oh, well, if I had to do it, you should have to do it too. There's no help. But we all aren't blessed with the same situation to propel us to success. So sometimes people do need a leg up or a handout to get some level, uh, level footing to try to make themselves successful. You can't just look down on folks and be like, oh, well, you know, this, this, you should be able to do it. I had to do it. I tell folks all the time, I had my dad and my mom married in my life for 27 years until my dad passed. Some folks haven't had their dad in their life for 27 seconds. So how am I going to look down on somebody else that's in the you know, same age bracket, but isn't as successful as I, I am or I was because I had stuff instilled in me for a long time that made me the man that I am today. Other folks haven't had those same, you know, upbringing, the same values. So they have a lot more pitfalls they've had to go through because they don't have that knowledge until someone gives it to them, they're not going to know any better. So by by looking down on them or ridiculing them or just, you know, shitting on them pretty much isn't going to help them. You have to give them the knowledge and the understanding of why what they do on is failing and what they need to do to be successful in their lives. And I feel like that's one of the things that we've lost in the last, I'd say, 20 to 30 years. Oh, I agree, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. It seems like just we, we've going from, like you said, where people actually care to, I got minds, I got my society, it's me, myself, and I, society. It's only me. We become a very selfish 
society. And I feel as though it's black peoples in America that we have adopted American customs, which which is not part of our, our culture nor nor our nature. We we've developed into some American culture society. You remember like when, when you were growing up, if a friend of yours in the community was poor and he needed something to eat, the whole family, you know, he would come to eat dinner with your family and stuff. We don't know our neighbors no more. So yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, you know, about how things are now. It's, it's a selfish society. And people wonder why we're in the predicament we're in. Why you have a person like Donald Trump and that Donald and Daffy Duck in office is because people don't care. They're selfish. They care about themselves, and they're ignorant and don't want to be educated. This is called the dumbing down of America. That's exactly what is happening. I totally agree. I, I look around. Even I'm in a pretty nice neighborhood, and people still don't talk to each other. You know, I, we have to belong to a pool just to meet our neighbors. You know, it's just. You know, everyone is so segregated into their own world and, you know, doesn't, you know, you know, we went around and brought cookies to all of our neighbors when we moved in and people were like, in 25 years, no one had ever done that. Mm. And I was like, wow, you know, and then we did that and, you know, we gave them a note said, if you ever need anything, here's a number, you know, we'd love you know, to talk to you. Never heard from any of them again. I've been here mm. eight years, you know, and, and it's sad, right? Because it's just like, there's so much we can gain by knowing different cultures and different people around the world and understanding the life that they live. Because we all have different stories. We all have different lives, but they all have value and meaning. And I think that people just look at the color of someone's skin and they immediately judge someone based on it. And they have them for less worth or different worth. And, you know, I actually had a friend and I was, a video went viral just a couple of days ago. Uh, he's the head of the PE at the school that I work for. And he was on the lane and he was just doing some pushups on a, on a community track. And some white guy came up to him and said, next time, if you're in that spot, when I run around and I'm on, I'm on lane eight, I'm going to step on your hand. And didn't say it to the girl, the little girl who was working out with him. You know, he's a PE instructor. I think he may have been doing a private tutoring or maybe it was just some other girl and it wasn't even related. I'm not even sure, but didn't say anything to her, you know, but this black man, they did. And, uh, he came back around, videotaped. This other woman was videotaping the interaction. My friend stayed calm and collected through this whole thing. And I'm telling you, everybody who's watched it, it's been shared like 750 times, would be irate. I would be irate. I would never have stayed calm. But he did. And he wanted to use it as a teaching moment because that's what he is. He's a teacher to understand that you can stay calm and collected and try to work through it. And they just kind of hang themselves in their own ignorance. The guy's screaming, I went to the school in 84. I have the right. It's my lane, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, sir, it's a Sunday. Everyone's just running around. You could, there's eight lanes. You could just run around him. You know, if he's doing some push-ups in the track, it's not the end of the world. Like show compassion for your fellow man. You know, I, and it's just, it's not that hard to do. And it's on a beautiful Sunday, you would hope that you could do it, you know? I had to show that because Carol mentioned being a scout. <laughs> right behind, right behind me, is my best friend, my best friend growing up, my brother, Daniel Sullivan. Oh. And this is what it was about back then in in our times. It was you didn't, we didn't, the, the old adage of we didn't see color. Now we saw color, but we didn't see it for. Ooh, you're this kind of person, you're that kind of... No. His mother is my mother. My mother and father is his mother and father. My family is 
absolutely mixed. Like my whole family across the board is mixed. You know, like this is, I, I, I'll, I'll, I guess further, not even embarrassed, but just to go back further to take, to take a look on, this is how we was looking growing up. No, I wasn't a Carolina Panthers fan. Remember that? This was when they, this was back when they, this was back when they came out. This was back when they came out and the jacket and the hat and the logo was fire. So, <laughs> so I had to cop it. And at that time, that blue was my favorite color. But this is what and how I grew up. This is how many, much of America doesn't grow up. And that's a part of the shame. And again, amongst all of this to what y'all said to put a cap on it, this is the thing that I had in my head. We went from community to capitalism. Community to capitalism. We went from like I, where I live now, I know who my neighbors are. I might not know them all by first name, but if they come outside, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? They all know my kids. They all see my kids because I let them run up and down and play outside. So they see my kids. They know who my kids are, things like that. You know, the days of being able to put your hands on somebody else's kid, those days are long gone because you're not touching my children. I'm beating your ass. That's it. Their grandparents who live next door can do that but not the neighbor that doesn't truly know them, you know? And then bring it into my own family. My family is mixed. My wife is Puerto Rican. My kids are black and Puerto Rican. Like this is what America is going to become, whether y'all like it or not. It's, it's the stats are there, the statistics are there. We're only maybe 10 to 20 years away from where, like it or love it, y'all gonna be the majority. I mean, the minority coming soon. To a theater near you, whether you like it or not, <laughs> it's gonna be just how the way the world is going. But community, community to capitalism is where the downfall of everything is because it's just me, 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 me. I gotta get mine. Whatever, however you get yours, you get yours. Well, I got mine by pulling up myself from the bootstraps and all that. Not understanding that that rabbit hole is even deeper because. Yeah, you could pull yourself up from the bootstraps, but guess what? People still might not be looking at you and seeing what you're doing. I could take this right here, for instance. I know podcasters that are friends of mine, not friends of mine, that are getting amazing opportunities that haven't put in nearly close to the level of work when it comes to podcasting that I have. Yet we're still on the low end still trying to big our names up, still grinding. We might not never see the heights that some of these people who've put in far less work than, but so be it. But I'm not gonna be the one to be hating or be selfish. No, I'm still gonna stand behind them and salute them and champion them as they go further. Because it's about community. It's about, it's about, a I grew up playing sports. I've always been a team guy, unless you screw me and fuck me over. That's it. Then you're dead. That, but and that's how it should be. You fuck me over personally, then goodbye. But I'm gonna take care of whoever's around me, like y'all are part of my family, and that's what it is. That's how it should be. I was raised well enough to to understand that, know that, and be that person. But not everybody else does that, and it's sad. It's unfortunate, and we got to get into now some more unfortunate news. Um. Well, no, we're not going to get into unfortunate news because we got to take a brief pit stop to the NBA before we get into 
um, saying goodbye to a number of legends in the world. Um, the NBA, we all seen what happened last week. They boycotted. We said it here famously on the show. What is the next move? Almost immediately, a day or two after we did that show, they all said that they were coming back. But they finally got something out of it. They got the owners of the of what is it, 32 teams in the league or 30 teams in the league in their major cities to open up their stadiums as mass voting locations in this time of corona. Because we all see the importance now of why we need to vote, because we need to get this circus clown out of office. We need we need to get him out. But we all know they're, they're as always gerrymandering red line and things like that. They are going to try their hardest to make voting difficult. As soon as they said that, like out here in New York, as soon as they said the Barclays is going to be open as a mass voting site, then they started to talk about, oh, but well, the schools might not be a safe place for them because we got to worry about the kids that are going to be going to school there the next day. And but then they're telling us, well, the schools, there's about 70% of the schools ready to go for kids to come back in class that can maintain the, the cleanliness and healthiness aspect of it. So, like, what, are, are we going to have a big problem with the, the, the voting situation? And when you think about it, these arenas, they're large enough to make the social distancing happen. You can make people trail throughout the whole entire building. And guess what? The West, the, the stance that the place that we're in right now, as bad as everybody wants to get Donald Trump out of office, people will go to the nosebleed section to stand and wait to get their vote in. So I we got we got the what if and what's next, JP, behind their protest. Mm-hmm. I salute I salute these cats for for doing what they did. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, they made a statement, and thought they did a good job as far as what they do. And you know, you got people out here saying, "Oh, they sold out. They did this." First off, if people would read the CBA, they would understand why they went back the way they did because they would have been they been a violation of their contract. And not only would they be losing money this year. Losing money last year. That's why I posed a question to a couple people. Okay, so you worried about them? Do you say the same thing on your job? Oh, nah, I don't. I, you know, I don't do that. Somebody said, "Oh, I'm, I'm not a social activist at my job." Then what the hell do you want them to do something for that? If you're not doing that, you need to shut the hell up. Excuse me, period. Those guys, those, those guys actually. I mean, if it was one game, yeah, but they sacrificed a playoff game for what they stood up for what they believe in. So you, you got to give them their credit. You got to give let's, these guys the credit. Let's and, get and one thing straight, though. They didn't sacrifice the game. They just caused the league to postpone it. Right, but it's still, I mean, they still, look, TV stations still lost money that day because they were supposed to have such and such a playoff game. And because they sat up there and said, we're not playing today, of course TV lost a little bit of money off that. That's what I'm saying. So they, they, these, these guys stood up for something that they believe in. It's like I said, I don't think you've seen activism like this from athletes since Tommy Smith and John Carlos, since when they had the, um, you know, the famous picture 
of when Kareem, um, Jim Brown, Ali, and um, others were, 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 were having a meeting about what black athletes should do. And like I said, they had the 68 boycott Olympics, which Kareem didn't go to, and several other prominent athletes and stuff. So you haven't seen activism like this since then. Oscar Robertson with the with the um, players' union and stuff, and everything like you see. Have you ever seen activism like this since the 60s and 70s? Really, until now, from what these players are doing, I say salute them. Yeah, I'll, I'll speak on it real quickly, just because I, I think it was really amazing the domino effect that it had on the other leagues, right? It made yeah. All the other leagues step up and uh, you know make moves pretty quickly. I was pretty disappointed with the speed in which NHL did it because they had a moment where they could have delayed it and they didn't, and then they kind of wanted to wait. I'm, I'm happy that they eventually got to the right decision. I think it's important that we salute them for getting there, even if it's a day or two late. Uh, but I would have liked them to have just right away just – they try to do like a 15 minute or like a 30 second thing, a video before a game and, you know, try to do a couple of little things, but it wasn't enough. Right. And um, I'm happy some of the players really stood up that are in this new coalition uh, of minority players. And they all spoke up and said, look, this needs to happen. And the NHL quickly made it happen after they did that. So um, the, N- the NHL did more than the NFL, than the NFL players did. No, no, no. Let's 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 give let's give proper credit though to JP because the NFL players they the NFL actually already has had a campaign a voting campaign of commercials on TV for a minute. There's not much that they could do right now. Now the Detroit Lions was the first team to do it. A couple other teams did it. Where they're only in a position right now to where they was just able to walk out of practice for the day. But a lot of those teams who walked out of practices, they also held discussions and meetings against the fellow players to build common ground, to build understanding for those that, you know, the the football team to me is the best aspect of a, a, a collection of America, a collection of different cultures in, in one place, in one organization, because you're going to get the... I was the I was raised a hardcore militant black person with the I was raised a hardcore Christian with the I grew up on the streets dirt poor with nothing to the I grew up as the affluent quarterback of my high school kid. My parents had everything kid who doesn't didn't see the same things might have played football with one or two black kids growing up like you get that whole collective. And I think that those types of discussions that we mentioned before. Those are important to have to try. There's to a difference you. between discussion and action, though. That's my whole oh, point with the whole thing. Because when Kaepernick, when Kaepernick sat there and took a knee, he had support from not from a whole from none of them, none of them. Oh, it was a so, select few. There was a select few. A very few. You got them on one hand, two hands. Probably, yeah, How yeah. many of them did it? No, and there's no there's there's no discounting that because you know we've probably had 20, 30 different episodes on Kaepernick and trailing and watching that whole situation. So we we know that thoroughly. We know that thoroughly. But times are different now. We already seen the league come out and apologize, even though that ain't gonna do for nothing now, but they at least admitted their wrongdoings when it comes to that. It's but not so doing it's, it, it does nothing. I, was, I wasn't trying to tailspin into that. So just no, but second. we got to keep just it real. The, they, the reason why, hold on. The reason why the NFL sat up there 
and apologize stuff because of what's going on in the country. So they didn't want to be the bad guy. They didn't want to be quote unquote the boogeyman. You're so right. they really and they and they still haven't give Cap. They still haven't give Cap a job in the NFL, which I don't think he will ever get again. Period. Well, so okay. they just did that because it's the trendy thing to do. That's the only reason why the league right. owners did that. Right. All of them. All of them basically gave a million dollars to Donald Trump. Do you think they're really interested in doing social justice? Jerry Jones came out and already said if any of his players stand for the anthem, they're going to be disciplined. So the league, that policy they had, man, they might as well have said shit. I respect them more. At least Jerry Jones has the balls to sit up there and say, oh, well, I'm going to punish my players. The rest of them feel the same damn way. I can dig that. I can dig that. I wasn't trying to go down that hole. I wasn't trying to go down that hole, and I'm not going down that hole. The only point I wanted to get to was Robbie's point of the NHL. I, I only look at the NHL like this. At least they did something. Or at least they tried something. We know that we know that to be the biggest white sport in this country. <laughs> I was, you want to talk about I even to cut you. I was gonna chime in on that. The game that they that did get played, they actually came out after the game and said that with the, the urgency that Milwaukee shut their game down. They didn't have enough time to uh, formally announce to shut the game down. So they would have done it, but they only had like 15 minutes from when they heard the Bucks shut it down before they could. So that's why they played that game and then they took the next two games off. And then I have to chime in on the Colin, uh, some of the comments about Colin and uh, the league not giving him a fair shake or whatever. I don't know if a lot of folks didn't read it or see it. Colin Kaepernick won an $80 million uh, collusion lawsuit from the NFL. Thank you. So he got his money. He doesn't want to go play back in the NFL. He gives the only people that want him to play in the NFL are the fans. He's done with the NFL. He's out doing his thing in the community. So I just wish folks would stop using that that bell cow. Oh, they did him wrong. He should be playing his other quarterbacks that suck. Know the whole story. That man got 80 million. Non-disclosure didn't come out in the mainstream media. He did what he did for social injustice. He took it on the chin. He sacrificed his career for the lesser man. And he he deserves commendation for that. A lot of folks don't know that man has been doing community service since he was back in college. He was doing community service in Wisconsin and in Las Vegas where he went to school at. He doesn't do it for the gram. He doesn't do it for mm -hmm. social media. He does it for yep. social justice. So yep. everybody with this, you know, the NFL did him dirty. He needs to be in the league. Read a newspaper. Please <laughs> go research before you come out with these outlandish you know, this, that, this, and that. The league yep. is what it is. It's a bunch of rich white men. But, but he did, but he did want to, he did come out last year though and have a, and, and had a trial with several NFL teams though. Right, he, but that, here's the he thing. Now that he wasn't the angry black man that was going to stand pride and not do, he had to play, just like we have the game that has to be played that the white folks play. We don't like to have to play the game, but in order to, to justify the ends to the means, Sometimes you have to play the game. He went out there and did it. You saw all the dysfunction. Oh, well, he didn't want to perform for this in this stadium. He didn't because he was basically saying, Yeah, I'm going to play your game, but I'm going to play it by my rules. And if you don't like it, oh, well, I'm good. I'm happy doing what I'm doing with the 80 million in the bank from the collusion from y'all blackballing me. And I'm putting it into the community and doing it. Y'all might not see it on Instagram. You might not see it on mainstream media. And you get all these Republicans and conservatives hating on them. Oh, well, he's not doing nothing now. No, just because you don't know what he's doing doesn't mean he isn't doing stuff. 
So exactly. it's a bunch of rich white folks that are used to having people subservient to them that they don't know how to relate to the common man or to a colored man. I mean, I bring up the analogy of the, the Washington football team. A lot of folks, you know, hate Dan Snyder and this and that, and they love Jack Kent Cook. But what a lot of folks don't know is Jack Kent Cook was a racist son of a bitch. And if you don't realize, once Joe Gibbs and Bobby Beathard left, who was the buffer between Jack Kent Cook and the players, that's why you saw most of the black players leaving the Washington team because Jack Kent Cook was a blatant racist. But because you didn't see that in the narrative and you saw him hugging Doug Williams with a cigar in his mouth when they won the Super Bowl, he didn't even want Doug Williams to start the quarterback at the Super Bowl. So it's all about what you know and the narrative that's being spun. So instead of just taking run with you see on some pro-black or pro-white site, find out the real ins and outs of it before you start, before folks start making dictations on what's really going on. And that's what we have now in this culture. And and on that great point that you made there, JP should remember, that's how we covered the entire situation from when it started all the way up to the lawsuit and the collusion case. We covered every single piece of Colin Kaepernick's situation because it was that important to invest in. The only thing that, because again, we wasn't trying, I wasn't trying to go down a rabbit hole of Kaepernick. <laughs> we were saluting the NBA for opening up, getting the voting places, right? But I just need people in the whole Kaepernick situation to do is stop saying the NFL isn't giving them a job. Is he looking for an office position in the NFL? Because then you can say the NFL isn't giving them a job. The NFL is the bubble that contains 32 independent sources. You don't look at it that way. 32 teams have an opportunity to pick up that phone and give them that phone call. So it's the team owners that we need to look at, not the league in, in whole. And then again, I'm just going to wrap that with this. We'll wrap this whole thing because now we're going to get into the media part of the show is if it was still about him playing football, he could have proven himself via the eight games the AAF played, the half a season the XFL played. He could have went to Canada. He could have went overseas. I know people who play professional football in Finland, in Poland. There are He could have went to the Arena League. There are places that he could have showcased his talent to get a job back in on an NFL team if he wanted to play football. But he is doing the work that we love and appreciate as a people, and that is standing up for our people by any means necessary, getting the jobs done. And as Carol said, he ain't doing it for the gram, and that's a beautiful thing because we know the man is putting in the work. We've seen it. The things that do come out, giving away suits to people that are going to fight cases. That, that don't have proper attire for a, a court case or things like that. Feeding children, going to schools, making, doing, the man is doing the work. The football aspect about it, let's forget it. It's over. The football is done. I, I'm not even worried about him getting picked up by an NFL team, even though I still believe he still works out just in case because you never know. You never know. He's better than but, a whole bunch of them bums in the NFL. I'll tell you that right now. We know that. That's facts. <laughs> That's actual factuals. But 
nonetheless, we got to move on. And this is the time of the show where, again, we it, Giants Amongst Men is the reason why we, we named this episode this. Because we've lost a, a, a lot of people that were big figures um, in the world. Um, but breaking news today, about an hour before the show, to unfortunately add on to this, we lost Tom Seaver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Legendary, him. most famously known for being a New York Met. Tom Seaver, I believe he was also an announcer too in his day, but played for the Mets, the Reds, uh, the White Sox, and the Dead Sox, aka the Red Sox. 12-time All-Star, World Series champion, three-time Cy Young winner, rookie of the year, uh, three-time leader in wins, three-time leader in ERA, five times a strikeout. Pitched a no hitter in '78. He's a re- he's retired as as a Met Hall of Famer. Inducted in 1992. Inducted in the Mets and the Reds Hall of Fame. He died from dementia and complications of Corona, as the way the report came out. Mm. So we gotta say rest in peace to Tom Seaver. Believe deceased now. At the, I believe, the age of 75. One of the best pitchers ever. Yes. Yes, indeed. And then we got to go to the world of the NBA. Clifford Robinson. We got to say condolences and rest in peace to his family. 53 years old. 53 years old. I didn't know he was from Buffalo, New York, until I until I read this. He was uh, one of a UConn standout, second round pick in the '89 draft of the Portland Trailblazers. Played for the Trailblazers from '89 and '97, then moved on to the Suns, the Pistons, Golden State Warriors, then landed ended at the New Jersey New Jersey Nets. One-time All-Star, two-time All-Defensive Second Team, Sixth Man of the Year in 93, Second Team All-Big East in 89, and Third Team All-Big East in 88. So rest easy. So Uncle Cliffy, or Uncle Cl- Uncle Spliffy, as some people called him, Cliff Robinson. And you know, you know, Dan. Speaking of, of Cliff Robinson, couple couple points about it. Um, to me. When you think about six men, he's definitely probably on Mount Rushmore of the best six men that ever played this league. I mean, he was an all-star one year. Also, he had a game that's really that really is for today's NBA yeah. back then. He was an inside-out player who could who could play down in the paint, but also could shoot the three ball from the perimeter. So, you know, he was six foot eleven, could handle a little bit, like I said, could score inside or outside. He he was a very, very, very good player, like I said, or Mount Rushmore of six men ever played this game. Yeah, and we're gonna keep it funky. He made he he was one of them who made the headband super popular. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, Clifford Robinson. That, that that's when I was an NBA fan back in. I'm not a big NBA fan now because I feel like the game is too soft. I miss the old '90s, early 2000s basketball. Clifford Robinson, you know, being on that Portland team, uh, like you say, elbows in. I came, 
hustler. You know, he went out there and he grinded. He wasn't, you know, never was good enough to be a starter on the team. But like I said, he won the sixth man of the year, played quality defense. And he was a all around, you know, cool, cool kid, you know, cool guy on the court, you know, never really any issues or anything like that. So it was definitely, uh, you know, shocking. I believe it was a, a lymphoma that he passed away from. So yeah, 53 years old, uh, that's uh, 10 years older than me. So, you know, you never know what your next day is. And, uh, you know, Tom Seaver, I saw that news come across uh, a little bit earlier, right before the show, like you mentioned. And uh, unfortunately, I got to get ready to get out of here. I got a business call to make, and I definitely got to talk about, I spoke about Chad with Bolton a little bit earlier. Definitely got to speak about John Thompson and uh, how crucial uh, he was. He passed away this week, too. I know you guys will probably want to bring him up. But uh, he, um, Alan Iverson, I think, said it best with his, uh, you know, message he put out on social media. He basically thanked him for saving his life. He saved a lot of young inner-city kids' lives by giving them a chance to play basketball and go to a high-quality university and change the trajectory of their lives and, you know, stop some of the, you know, bad circumstances that was going on in their lives and he was a uh, very instrumental he was the first black head coach to win the ncaa title uh i mentioned on our show on monday that he uh did radio locally here in dc with uh brian mission and doc walker he was a influencer of mine into getting into radio broadcasting so his uh his passing is definitely being felt on so many different levels especially in this area and uh unfortunately like they say that the good ones always go a little bit too soon, and they always leave an, impre- an impression on the folks that they came in contact with, even the folks they haven't come in contact with, just via social media, TV, or whatever. So it's uh, it's been a rough week for great men uh, passing away, and unfortunately, in this current state of where we're in, in this country, in this world, uh, we need more men like those to be around instead of passing away. Yeah, indeed, man. And thank you for being on. Thank you for the multicast on your end since you said you got to run. So before you run, so we could continue, just give your social medias and where everybody could find you. I appreciate it. You can catch up. You can definitely check out the website, sportsothp.com for all of our shows every Monday night on Sports and Hill Podcast, True Radio Network. You can check me out on uh, the streaming live Zoom calls on uh, Facebook, YouTube, um, uh, Periscope, and you can check our podcast out on the following day after Robbie G uploads it to the uh, podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Just hashtag SportsOTHP, and uh, you'll, you'll you'll see us come up somewhere. Hashtag CP3. I appreciate y'all having me on tonight. Katar, thanks a lot. The mayor, Robbie, I'll holler at you later on. And John, the man in the back with the microphone. Hope y'all have a great rest of the show. And y'all take it easy. Can't wait to come back. And the invitation is open for y'all to come on. Sports on the Hill also, if you want to chop it up about some sports. Oh, no doubt. We got we got to talk about some D.C. sports. I'm very familiar with D.C. sports from the high school scene to the college basketball scene and everything. So, yeah, we'll chop it up um, off air. All right, no doubt, no doubt. I'll make sure uh, Robbie's still on the line. So I know he can get We're going to just, just talk about the intricacies of mumbo sauce. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't be hating the mumbo sauce. Nah, I never had it. I can't hate on it. It just sounds so good. But, all, right. all right, Cal. Peace. All right, Cal. Take it easy, brother. brother. All, all right. So moving on. Um, because the the not that this man is any less important because he is a shaper of lives too. Countless, countless NBA prize talent came through this man's system 
Robert Luther, or Lute for short, Olson. Everybody know him as Lute Olson. Just passed away August 27th. This man, extensive coaching career, stemming from high schools to when he got into colleges. He was at Long Beach Community College, Long Beach State, Iowa from 74 to 83. And then the job that he was most famous for, University of Arizona from 93 to 2008. One NCAA championship back in 97. That was the, the Mike Bibby year, I believe. One of the Mike Bibby years he was there. Um, Five-time Final Four, PCA regular season, Big Ten regular season champ, 11-time Pac-10 awards, NABC Coach of the Year in 80, Claire B Coach of the Year 2001, Big Ten Coach of the Year in my year of birth, 79, and seven-time Pac-10 Coach of the Year. Inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2002, College Basketball Hall of Fame in 2006 and 2019, and even in 1986, won a FIBA gold medal in basketball. Uh, JP, Robbie, I mean, the list is long of NBA stars that this man has brought into, into the world. Long. Long, long, long. Rest in peace to Lou Olson. But now, the major ones. And Katara, I'm going to throw this to you once uh, once we get this situated. Chadwick Boseman. Star of screen. Particularly movies. This dude. This dude here. It's always crazy how we say that you learn the most about most people in passing. You know, it usually takes death, unfortunately, to really, really, truly learn about people. Most famously, current times known for being the Black Panther in the Marvel series. What a great, outstanding film that was. Chadwick is, is what we've grown to know has become a very special individual. Uh, he passed away from stage four colon cancer. I believe when they said when he found out it was it was at stage three. But to know that this man kind of in the same respects of how we learned about Serena Williams was winning, I think, US Opens and Wimbledon's while pregnant. This guy was doing these extensive movies, filming dates, appearances, while working with cancer, while going through treatments, this, that, and the third, making visits, which I learned about in his passing, making visits to children's hospitals to spend time with children with cancer. The world didn't know he had it, but still he was giving, he was a giving person. Um, this is a man who stood up for black folks in general. Um, as we kind of spoke pre-show about him he understood the importance of roles when he took on roles like Jackie Robinson, James Brown, uh, Thurgood Marshall. Um, he, he last was in the movie The Five Bloods. I didn't see that yet. I honestly haven't seen most of his movies, just to be honest with you, because I'm not the biggest movie watcher. I'm, I'm just keeping it real. But the, the level of care and detail, because I did see pieces of these things and how he worked these roles. The level of care and detail that he put into each role 
like it, he embodied the person and who they were. And when we talked about representation earlier, that was one of those things that you can tell was in his head that he has to represent properly as, uh, as, as um, the homie that just left mentioned earlier in the show, like when he played Jackie Robinson, like there's a whole era of children that didn't know who Jackie Robinson was that knew who he was now because Chadwick brought his era to life on screen. So Katara, the stage is yours. Then Robbie, you go next and JP. I'm good. I'm just going to listen. Okay. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, what can I say? Um, I can say a lot. I, I, when I found out that he did, he was starting to play, um, he was going to, he got the role of Black Panther. I look, I started looking him up because as probably Robbie and Carol knew, I was already a fan of Black Panther. I looked him up and I said, oh, duh. Yeah, I because I saw him in um, uh, 42. And then I also saw him in, um, what's his name? Uh, the King, <laughs> the King of, um, I call him the King, uh, James Brown. So I knew he could do, if he can play legends like that and rock it. And, and let me tell you how he rocked 42. When I was watching it with my mom, she remembered when Jackie Robinson, when my grandfather took her to, when obviously when she was real young, um, my grandfather took her to, to, I believe, Yankee Stadium to see Jackie, just, well, to see them play, of course, but it was specifically Jackie Robinson. And that time, you know, when he was stealing the bases, my mom said he did exactly that when I saw him. So you know he rocked that role with the boomers who grew up with you know uh, uh, these great legends, uh, and then of course James Brown he he rocked that you know he rocked that and, and he brought out all his issues that I didn't even know I, I I really didn't know he had mental issues like that but I knew since he 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 mastered those roles he can master another role another big role as Black Panther. And um, so when I saw him on Civil War, I was like, oh my God, I think uh, Robbie, I said to Black GOP, I said, I am in love right now, <laughs> you know? So I knew that he was great. And that's when I researched him and saw him some other roles. And, and I knew that he visited, um, he visited kids and, and cancer centers. I, I like that. Um, and, and I knew some other things. I know he broke down in an interview when he saw that two kids died um, from cancer, like right after they saw his show, he, he, he broke down in that. Um, and, 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 and Robbie, I don't know if you saw the, I guess you call it the, bur the purple carpet of his show. He was very, very calm. Um, granted, he was, he was a little bit in the role of the king, but he was very calm. I was wondering why he was so calm and his, his, all the other actors were, you know, bubbly and everything else. And I'm like, and now I'm thinking, could it be that he knew he had stage three and he, he, you know, he was just getting over a battle, you know? So it's, 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 I, it's just very interesting. And, and even when I saw pictures when he was skinny and well, when he was losing more weight and I thought, something must be wrong and I thought okay he, he could it could be because the five bloods because he was and that role he had to be you know losing weight for that 
but I, I sensed something else, but I didn't think anything wrong. I put it out in my brain because I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to see him in Black Panther 2 and I'm going to see him some other stuff. So I forgot about it. And then when I, when I found out the news, um, I was like, Dan, I was like you. I was like you when I was like, wait, he died? Hold on. We need to look this up to make sure this is true. I'm looking up all these different Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I it's, sad, it's, sad, it's sad we had to do that because that's the state of the internet now. Right, right, definitely. So many people, and, and the website it came from, it was just like, hold on a second. Because so many people try to play firsties on the internet. Right. You know that. Right. And it, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it so it was it was a shock. I am, you know, I I, I couldn't watch the tribute yet. I still get to watch the tribute because I I, I I didn't want to break down and cry. I want, you know, I wanted to say my piece before I went to watch the tribute. So it, it, it was a very shock because I was I can honestly tell you I was expecting to see him in Black Panther too. I was I, I, that was just that. I was like, okay. Uh, I was ignoring other Marvel stuff, and I'm like, I, I'll see. I'll, I'm just seeing Black Panther too. So, yeah, it was a big shock to me. Right. I'll just speak. I haven't seen it either. I've recorded it as well. I have to give Marvel and Disney big props, though, for putting A, that together in such a short period of time that I think it was great, but also to put Black Panther on ABC on that Sunday so that everybody could watch what an incredible, incredible piece of cinematic history that movie is. I mean, I am a diehard Marvel fan. I always have been. And, you know, I will, you know, speak to that, you know, love the comics, the cartoons, everything as a kid. I still have my old action figures to pass on to my son. You know, I, I, I believe in, you know, what they were able to do, trying to bring people of different creeds and different colors that we were talking about before together for, you know, the Justice League and yeah, or not this, uh, yeah, the Avengers and all that sort of that brought that together. And uh, it's, it's really sad. I you know, was so looking forward to, uh, you know, and they'll have to obviously still do a Black Panther too. I mean, it's not going to end with him. He wouldn't want it to, you know, he wanted to bring this character to life and uh, play it. And he did such a great job. It's almost hard to envision who else could even step in, you know, into that role. I, I feel for them because that's not, you know, it's never going to be good enough just because, you know, of the circumstances, right? And um, it, it's it's very sad. I, I think he did such good things. I was here. I was reading so many great interviews um, after, uh, you know, people giving their respects to him. And uh, one of them, the director of the movie, actually said that um, he wanted them. He worked with an actor in uh, that Civil War movie. Uh, and wanted it to be authentic, the accent, you know, of him speaking a language. So he learned the language of the other actor in that moment for the authenticity and then demanded that that's now the official language of that and Wakanda forever. And so that becomes the language that they speak in all the future movies. So that one decision that he made as an actor to try to bring that authenticity to the role will forever shape the trajectory of a language in an entire series of movies, right? I mean, talk about a big moment, right? And I, I think uh, the authenticity that was played throughout that whole movie, giving a voice to so many uh, great African and African-American actors, you know, I just think it was really inspiring. And it was just such an incredible movie as a standalone, but seeing all those characters come to life again you know, in Endgame and all the other ones and sort of the integration and, and how the will be such a pivotal part 
of the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But uh, it's such a huge loss. I was so shocked. For me, it was like when Michael Jackson died or, you know, when Robin Williams died or, you know, there's some of these, you know, people that are just so iconic to my childhood and, you know, growing up in the, you know, the 80s and the, and the 90s and just big, big part of our lives. And it's just, I thought Chadwick was going to be that next generation, you know, who, you know, and he already had been, but I, you know, I, I just imagined he was doing four or five, six, seven movies a year. And now we know why he was trying to get so many movies done. Uh, but I thought at the rate he was going, we didn't know that at, this, at the time. I was just like, man, he's going to produce so many great roles. I mean, he, the fact is, if I think it'd be Jackie Robinson and, you know, it's just so different than the Black Panther. It's just, and he played them. I didn't even remember it was the same actor, to be honest. I saw both movies in theaters and wouldn't, almost wouldn't tell you that they were. I was like, oh, I didn't see that movie. And they're like, oh, no, you did. You saw it in theaters with me. And I thought I was like, oh, I did see that movie in theaters, but I didn't realize it was him because it was so different, right? And he just jumped into that role and just portrayed that role so iconically. Well, the running joke was, was he was him and the guy who played Martin Luther King. Like, they were the only two Black people who could play every Black celebrity in all of Hollywood. So... You know, it's it's sad that he had to pass. Other people now get an opportunity, but nobody's going to be able to fill his shoes the way he did it, because like we mentioned, the way that he took a role and grabbed it and took it to such depths to fully absorb those characters and be who they were, pay attention to detail like that's a fine art in the craft that very few people truly run with. Very few across. I, I mean, we all know Johnny Depp. Say whatever you want about him. But when Johnny Depp infuses himself in the role, he literally, in wrestling speak, he turns on the kayfabe and is that role in his real life. <laughs> you know? No, uh, 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 Bozeman, I don't think he was carrying himself in his real life, but the way he played in things and roles on TV and movies and stuff, like, you felt that was him. Like, coming out as T'Challa, like, he literally stepped into that role. Like, look, I don't care what you thought about when Wesley Snipes wanted to make this movie back in the day and had this person as a Black Panther, or you cast it. No, this is my role forever. So with that being said, though, we got to have this little quick argument before we move on to John Thompson. But People, and Katari, you smiling because you know where I'm going with this. I think you know where I'm going with this. Y'all got to stop this bullshit of trying to bring back Michael B. Jordan just because you felt Killmonger was right. Oh, we, And then, then number two, stop trying to cast somebody else as the Black Panther. Unfortunately, because he's gone, Marvel can now CGI him in the same way that Lucasfilms did with Carrie Fisher for the last few movies as, uh, you know, as, as Leia and then send her off the right way. They can do that. And the only way that they need to take this now, which to my understanding, I thought I heard that this was going to happen anyway, because I thought that he was kind of possibly not going to return. I don't know if that was true or not. I think that was rumor at one time. 
But the girl who plays Shuri is the only person that the Black Panther mantle can go to in the MCU. Don't right. try to cast nobody else just because you need to see another man in this thing. No. This is the one time, the one time, one of the, well, one of the few times they could take true source material, which is the comics, mm -hmm. and just buy it over. Whatever y'all want to say on that, go ahead. But I'm <laughs> done. Stop the bullshit, y'all. That mantle's got to go to Shuri. I, I agree. With, I'll just real quickly. I agree that the mantle needs to go to Shuri a hundred percent. But and I don't know if they have enough footage to couple together what they were able to do in the Star Wars universe. Because I was reading the director; he was still writing the lines. So like, there's nothing that's been filmed, unfortunately, you know, for Black Panther two. So it would all have to be completely CG. I nothing because when for Star Wars, a lot of that was footage that they like repurposed and were right, able to right. like tie things together with some CGI. That's a little easier to do than to try to do an entire character arc and things like that. I'd almost rather, I don't know how you do it, but it's tough because part of me says that I, I think I need to see the character in another movie and then pass it to her. So unfortunately, I think you may have to recast, you know, but I, I don't know. Tar, yeah, what are, what are I, I can dig that. I can dig that, but... They could take a little quick five-minute segment, add him in, show him walking in to get everybody in their fields, and then hand it over, shut the theater down because everybody would be, <laughs> and it is a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you, you bring up a good point. Um, no, the, uh, uh, Michael G. Jordan's character is out. He's dead let alone um you know he brought and be but uh mind you because he brought up the museum thing museums in europe are getting hit because of that which is hilarious but um uh yeah shuri should if if they uh yeah they it needs to go to shuri because it's already in the comic books anyway um robbie obviously brought up a good point where it's 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 getting making that connection. It's going to be a little hard, but but that's a good point. Give it to Sherry. You know, no one's going to fuss about it because it's already in the comics. It's been and it's it's been popular. So they it, it, it would be a smooth transaction. And, people, you know, people will still complain about anything. I'll just put that out yeah. there. That, that, right. No matter what happens, like I, I, I'm not guaranteeing just because it was in a comic book somewhere <laughs> that people, because people, some people just like the cinematic universe and never seen the comic book source material. They have their own feelings, and you know they might be br broken for it. You know, right. and some people just like to complain. Right, that's true that's too. It. Um, that's it. it. Let's remember, some people just like to complain, and then especially. Oh, you're giving props to a black woman. We gotta scream even louder. Right, right. And 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 I I don't know. I'm not like you said. I I'm not ready. And and you know it, it it's evident it's gonna get it's gonna happen. But I am not ready to talk about black another black panther his replacement. I'm just not ready for that. If that happens, it happens. But I am not ready for that. Um, you know, I don't even want to think of who else can play it. So they need to they need to think of something to do if it's like passing the baton like like um like you guys suggested do it or or if it's somebody that's that's stellar it's stellar you know then fine but it's 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 gonna no. be 
Yeah, I don't know. They could keep it, or even just to move on, they could keep it as simple as how they had Paul Walker just come in and walk off into the shadows. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely that. Yeah. Special That's effects. Yeah. yeah. And and just that one moment alone will get again will get everybody in their fields. It will just make people probably walk out of the theater like this is the best shit ever. Oh my goodness. Like they grabbed me by every which way. They pulled my heart, ripped it in half, did this. Just give it to Shuri. Right. Five minutes on screen, a CGI of him walking. What do you do that? I mean, that, that all makes sense, right? But what do you do for the trailers and how the setup, right? Because the whole movie low. is keep it low. That's just it. don't show anything. Just don't show it. And they've been doing, and Marvel has been doing a great job with their trailers recently too, by not showing the whole movie. Right. That's one thing they do pretty good, pretty damn good. Yeah, better not than DC telling the whole sure. movie. That's yeah, but it's gonna be a struggle though because so much of it, you would think when you're selling a Black Panther movie, you would think you would see photos and video of Black Panther in a trailer. Yeah. I, it's gonna it's gonna be. Oh yeah, they they got yeah they gotta that one is a lot of NDAs got to be signed and a lot of a lot of uh, blood oaths got to be taken. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's got to be held lock and key, man. But nonetheless, rest easy to Chadwick Boseman, man. Forty three years old. Mm -hmm. I'm only three years away from that, and yeah, just to all of us who do go to the doctor, I know my wife kind of looked at me like um. When are you gonna go get your physical? I get it, but it's a guy thing. Guy, guy things struggle with that, right? I struggle with going. I, yeah, I don't know any but, guy but that. Yeah. As a people, though, especially as us men, just think, talking on men in specific, they say fifty is the age generally where you start to get the the colon cancer tests. Colonoscopy. We need to start, Yeah, the colonoscopy. Thank you. We need to start going in and just demanding it sooner. We just seen I, I, it. It does it. It's taken a celebrity death, unfortunately, but forty three years old. Forty three years old. I, I just saying it to myself. Got to wake up. We got to wake up. I got to do it. It's got to be done. Let's wake up, people, and let's take this as a message, man. But. JP, the floor is yours for the last and final one for the night. Oh, man. Um, Yeah, you know. um, Speak up closer to your mic, too. I was going to say, man, definitely rest in peace to Chadwick, man. You know, um, that's all I wanted to say. You know, um, like you said, um, I guess getting your colon checked is very serious. I mean, I'm 48. I haven't gotten mine checked yet, but I think I'm going to get mine done soon. Before I turn... Excuse me, before I turn 50, I'll get it done. Um, but rest in peace to Chadwick. You know, you, you would definitely be sorely missed. Um, yeah, as we go into the final segment tonight, we want to talk about John Thompson, legendary basketball coach, but also legendary basketball coach of Georgetown University, but also a molder of men who did a very, very great job with his um, – with this team, um, it came as a shock actually that he passed away. 
Um, I, I think, um, you know, I didn't, I think, you know, nobody knew that he was, I guess, sick or ill or whatever, you know, and um, man, I mean, what can you say? Icon, um, he built basic, he's the one coach you can, you know how they say coaches build programs? He's the one coach you can honestly say that built his program from the ground up. Before before he came to Georgetown University, I don't even think he even made the NCAA tournament ever. But when he got there, he made them into a a staple, man. You know, in the in the um, in the eighties, you know, Georgetown was the team, and you know, I, I remember like you you thought Georgetown was an HBCU school, and then you found out maybe the only black black people on the, on the campus was the uh, athletes on the basketball team, it seemed like. But, um, man, just the things that this, that, that this man did, been the three Final Fours, um, won a national championship in 84, was in the finals two other times, 82 and, 80, and, and um, 85. His coaching record was 596 and 239, 71% winning percentage. Big East Coach of the Year three times, NABC Coach of the Year in 1985. Um, also, Dan, he, people might not re- might not know this. He played for the Boston Celtics for two years, won two NBA titles, backing up Bill Russell in 1965 and 66. But you know what's impressive out of all those stats that I just read off? Out of the players at Georgetown State, four years. In his 28 years of coaching, he graduated 97% of his players. I'm going to say it again. This man, if you went to Georgetown University, played four years of college basketball under Coach Thompson, he graduated 97% of his players. And he also stood up for his players I mean, you know, it was that's why they call it warrior paranoia. I mean, man, you know, Georgetown was a love team. It was Black America's team. I'll put it to you that way. I've always thought of Georgetown as being Black America's team. But they also were a hated team as well. But he stood up for his team. And Georgetown was truly ahead of its time. You can honestly say they're probably the, best, the first hip-hop team in basketball. From the Georgetown sneakers that um, Nike had to the Georgetown starter jackets, to the hats. Man, I know, I just like every black kid had that, man. Um, of course, the players that he had from, from the first true superstar he had was John Doreen, who was a first round pick of the NBA back in 1980. Then he had Craig Sky um, Shelton was another, was another one that he had. Then he went to the, he took it to the next level when he got Patrick Ewing to come there. I became a Georgetown fan, I guess around 82. That's when I first saw Patrick Ewing and him. And actually a little bit before that, I think it might have been 81. I liked DePaul back then too with Mark McGuire and them. But um, I became a huge Georgetown fan when Patrick Ewing got there. And I've been a diehard Georgetown Hoyer fan since. But um, like I said, he took, Patrick Ewing took him to the next level. Then he started getting players like Billy Martin, 
um, Reggie Williams, David Wingate out of Baltimore Dunbar. He got down. Then he got, before that was Sleepy Floyd, actually, before Patrick Ewing, I'm sorry, Sleepy Floyd. Then he went and got Alonzo Mourning. And then, of course, he had Allen Iverson, Othella Harrington. I mean, this man had some of the all-time, I mean, he had Hall of Famers, all-time great players that he coached and mentored. Dikembe Mutombo. Dikembe Mutombo, exactly. He had him as well. Um, man, Mike Sweeney, who's a lottery pick back in 2000. He played for John, Coach John Thompson. I mean, this man had a lot of players. And, and then I still say to this day, he would have repeated as national champion in 1985 if Michael Graham was on that team. Michael Graham left Georgetown and He's even said that he regretted it. But it was painful for John Thompson to let him go. But if he had Michael Graham that year in 85, they were going undefeated that year. Um, I mean, what more can you say about this man? And Dan, here's the biggest story. Rayful Edmonds, who was probably the biggest drug dealer in, on, I say the East, I'm going to say the East Coast, because you already know about Freeway Rick and all them out there on the West Coast. But on the East Coast, Rayford Edmonds was probably the biggest drug dealer in America on the East Coast back in the 80s. And I guess the early 90s as well. He got wind that Rayford Edmonds was hanging around some of the players, Alonzo Mourning, John Turner, players like that. And he actually had a meeting with Rayford Edmonds and told Rayford Edmonds to stay away from his players. Now, Rayford Edmonds was a ruthless, ruthless man and drug dealer. Guess what he said to John Coach Thompson? He's like, okay, I will. Never had a problem with him after that. Big John didn't back down from anyone, anyone. And, um, you know, it was, it was a tremendous loss, man, for college, not only college basketball, but for young men who he, who he molded. Allen Iverson said on his Instagram the other day, he saved my life. Alonzo Mourning said the same thing. He saved my life. You know, um, you will never have a coach like John Thompson again in college basketball. He stood up for Prop 48 when it wasn't popular, saying that the, coach, that the test was biased. He walked out of the game against Boston College over that. Um, he was a man of dignity, integrity, who cared about his players and the disadvantaged backgrounds a lot of them came from. And somebody like that is rare, man. He was, he was a father figure to a lot of young men, especially young black men who didn't have any at that time in their lives. And any person like that will always be sorely missed, man. You know, and um, all I can say is Coach Thompson, job well done, salute you, rest easy on the other side. Yeah, man, it's, and Georgetown University is not an easy school to get into. It's Ivy League school. Yeah. Not, not quite, but it's almost there. Yeah, <laughs> almost there. You're right. You're right. It's almost there. You're I'm right. sorry. I, I went to an Ivy League school, so I... I, 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 I <laughs> <laughs> but you're the D.C. native down there, resident. 
speak speak on him to what what you can, uh, Robbie. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. You know, I became a sports fan in, in the later '90s and stuff like that. So he's a bit before my time. You know, when I was sort of I paid attention to like the late '90s, early 2000s period. But as a radio host, you know, he was a big influential person. You know, down here for a long time. I know Carol spoke on that a little bit, and uh, so I did used to listen to him on the radio and just a brilliant man and just, you know, reading the reflections as you guys were talking about that, you know, Alan Iverson and all these greats have said about him. I mean, just, you know, how he's able to mentor them and how he's able to get them off the streets, as was already mentioned, it's just, you know, really incredible. And uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's really sad that there's all these incredible, it's just such a tough year. I, you know, I just, yes. it's, it's so, there's been so many of them. I'm a, a diehard, uh, you know, Kobe Bryant, you know, yeah, he started you know, it all. Yeah, you know, and it just, you know, it, it, it was so hard for me, you know, when that happened. I mean, he's one of my all-time favorites uh, in the NBA. and It's still know, hard. Yeah, it's still hard for that. I still can't believe that, you know, seeing the yeah, pictures of him and, him and Chadwick together, you know, the respect that they had for each other, you know, living out in L.A. And, you know, it's just, um, you know, it's just been a difficult year for just so many reasons. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I'm. I'm happy that the NBA came back. I have, so in my man cave, I have a studio here that you guys can't see from the other side, but I've got three big screens behind it. And so I always watch all the different sports of that. There's an incredible game seven going on right now. And I'm just so happy that people have that to, to do it, you know, and I'm, I'm so happy that they were able to stand up for some of these important, you know, Black Lives Matters. And going back to the voting thing, you know, I think that it's so important that there'll be an opportunity in some of these inner cities where it would be a struggle to be able to come vote, that now maybe that barrier could be lifted. So I'm just hoping that we can make some big changes in this world. You know, I, I think, um, you know, it's been a really tough year, but seeing what we can do for the future and how can we take the sparks that these people and these lives that they tried to live uh, for all these other people and for all the people around them, and how can we take some of that messaging and bring it forward? How can we move past this time uh, and still, you know, I have a two-year-old, like I try to think about what sort of world is he going to grow up in and, you know, mm. how can we try to, you know, be better and, you know, bring humanity together. I think of the relationship that I have with Carol, you know, we've now done this podcast, uh, we're in our fifth season now and, you know, we've done almost 200 shows together and just mm. our backgrounds were so different, right? We came from such different worlds, but, you know, I'm a Jewish white man that, you know, loves sports and, you know, and he's a proud black man, you know, who, you know, is just very fiery and had all these great ideas. And I'm a technology guy and he's an ideas guy. And it's like, how can we make this happen? Right. How could we, from these two just different backgrounds, we're both Washington football fans. He wrote a blog about it. I used to share it. And I know that might not make people happy on the New York side, but you know, it's, uh, oh, Philly. Okay. Well, week one, we'll see how that works out. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, but uh, we'll see how, how Haskins does. But, uh, you know, it's just been, you take all these messaging and all these great ideals and what these people were fighting for, these personal struggles that they kept to themselves, you know, with Chadwick and never wanting the spotlight to be on them, but trying to bring this life and these people together. How can we as a people come together and get past this you know, time period? I thought we were in the Obama era, we were going in the right direction, but there was obviously this groundswell of these people that were trying from the other side, um, you know, try to discredit that narrative. And unfortunately that groundswell turned into a Donald Trump 
but we need to make sure that it doesn't happen for another four years because I'm not the biggest Biden fan. I'll say that from the jump, but Me yeah, I, I, I grew up a Republican, right? And so it, it's hard for me to even say that because I feel like now that Trump has taken over the party, it basically means, oh man, you must be a racist then. I'm like, I'm far from it, you know? And it was a party that was super inclusive when I was younger and I worked for some incredible people in that party, but it got hijacked and I worked for the party and people in the party in a time period where it was becoming hijacked. And I had to leave that and end up working in a school. And I've now worked for that school for 10 years, but I saw it 10 years ago, this sort of the, the tide shifting away from where we needed to be and how they were trying to use me and my graphic design to discredit President Obama, you know, and I just didn't want to do it anymore. You know, I didn't want to use my graphic design t talents that way. Um, and I, it was hard, you know, and it just sort of, we need to start pushing back the other way. It doesn't really matter uh, that Biden sucks, you know, because I really think that, but, you know, and I just, it, it pains me because like, we had so many other diverse candidates, how we got to there is beyond me, but we got to come together and just get them out. It doesn't matter who it is. It's anybody but him. And we just got to start thinking that way because people are just too scared. And, the, and this world is just too tough, you know? We just gotta start moving back the right direction. Right. And I, I, let, me, let me just quit. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And I, like I said, I would vote for a straight cat on the street before I vote for Trump. I would. And another thing is too, I agree with you. Because I think if we get four more years of this orange orangutan in the White House, America as, you, as, as we've known it will be no more. Yeah, and again, to spin it back to where we were at, Katara, a loss of like a person of John Thompson's caliber, who he was a shaper of men. Uh, uh, he 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 was a guy who, at his at his later stages of his life, like <clears throat> and earlier, like he he fought for a lot of what we're still fighting for today. Yes, yes. He, um, and, and I remember hearing about him when I was younger, not paying much attention to him because it was sports, but I remember hearing about him and what he did. And, and, and it, that's the thing. And it, and it, it all, it all connects. We're fighting for the same thing we've been fighting for when we were younger. And it's like, we're going back. It's like, we're, we're in some, not all cases, but in some cases we're going back, uh, 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 as far as some racial issues going on, and it's 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 frustrating. But this 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 legend, I and mean, even I could tell he was a legend. Um, uh, did so much, and and it's it's hard. It's hard. Do we? And, and just out of curiosity, do we know? Did he? Did he have COVID? Is that what was going on, or was it? No, nah, I don't think he had COVID. No. Nah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know. Actually, Mike Wilbon. Um, ESPN, um, the guy that's on ESPN, he's also a writer, used to be, I think he used to be, well, used to be at the Washington Post. He used to cover Georgetown back then. He said on first take on Monday, what was it, Monday or Tuesday he died? Monday. He said that um, he talked to Coach Thompson a couple months ago, and when he talked to him, he was like short of breath. And I, and I forgot he had surgery or something like that not too long ago. So I don't think he was well. But he did mention that he was kind of like very short, short of breath when they talked on the phone a couple months ago. 
So now it wasn't COVID related. Okay. 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 So, so it's, it's just, wow. It's, it's, it's a lot to take in. It's a lot taken for what he did. And, and, and you, you never want to see some, and I'm not saying anything wrong with his life. You don't want to see somebody, a legacy, especially that he built and it's going backwards. And I'm not saying it is, I'm just saying we're seeing a, a, a backward shift about things. We shouldn't be fighting the same thing we should, we, he was fighting. We should be fighting something new. Uh, not new, well, yeah, fighting something new, not the same thing going on. Um, and real quick, well, I'm gonna leave the politics to later on, but, but you know, this, these, these legends, and, and that's what they are. These legends are, are, are um, they're, they're passing us the baton. So we need to, and, and of course we are, but we need to definitely step up our game and, and, and maintain what's already been done and then break through more ceilings. Definitely y'all, definitely man. And yeah, I mean, I have nothing much more to add onto John Thompson because JP, I almost wanted to kind of close it on JP because that's his team. That's his squad. And if there's anybody that I would have entrusted with full knowledge of who John Thompson was, it was him. I'm, I'm fully aware of who John Thompson was because though, I mean, I wasn't a, I wasn't a Georgetown fan, but like JP said, in some ways, in some respects, we all kind of adopted that team. I know my cousin was because he was a big Patrick Ewing guy back in, in, in that time. Even I was. Again, I'm 40, but I'm old enough to have remembered Patrick Ewing in a Georgetown uniform. You know, I, it's one of the ways when he became a Nick mainly, though, was how he became my favorite basketball player of all time. But then again, when you see the track record of just who came through, Georgetown University and the amount of basketball Hall of Famers he's created and just upright, upstanding, just men. You know, some people did their dirt and got their trouble. You know, Allen Iverson historically has went through bumps in the road all the way from back in the day when he was in high school to even as a pro. But to be able to come back and say he saved my life, like that is just speaks to the importance of coaches of coaches just in general and it, it it also speaks to a level of importance when it comes to sports i mean you you see how america was when we had nothing no american sports i can't say we didn't have sports we didn't have no american sports because the diva americans couldn't get hip to the korean baseball that was on we're not the biggest soccer country but soccer overseas was being played. There were sports on TV, but we seen the need for sports because it's such an ingrained thing in, in our culture and in our society and things like that. And a lot of us who are sports fans also have been a part of teams and also can recall who some of our favorite coaches were coming up in life. And coaches are not just teachers, they're also, they're, you know, the most important is there are a lot of father figures to a lot of people. A lot, a lot of kids, they're father figures. That's why Allen Iverson could come back there. That's why I found it so dope that 
though the Georgetown job, I believe it went to his son too. It eventually went back to a Georgetown guy and one of his disciples in Patrick Ewing, who's trying to turn the program around. So just, this, I, I, we got to close the show out, but just the, the level of dynamics when it comes to just coaches in general, it is so important in this world that again, I spoke to, I spoke to the effect of like unity and diversity and things like that. Coaches, the right coaches and very good coaches know how to harness all of those different opinions, different ideas, different ideals, different backgrounds uh, and cultures and make it work as one unit as one unit. Robbie spun off to the president. Imagine if our president understood what a true coach is like. Imagine if all presidents understood how coaches operate. Then maybe we could see a little bit more unification in this country instead of the fucking freak show that we're in right now and the sideshow to the rest of the world in this circus that we live in. Coaches are important, y'all. Rest easy to John Thompson. Rest Real quickly, easy. I just wanted to speak to, I, I was a coach for two years for a soccer team you know, at the school that I work for. And it's one of the hardest jobs. You know, like I was an assistant coach. I'm not even gonna say I was head coach, whatever. Uh, and I did it with one of my best friends. And we actually went to school together at that school. So it was kind of cool because we played on a team together and to be able to come and then coach. And, uh, but just watching that and the diversity that we had, you know, on our squad, you know, um, and just those people from such different backgrounds and trying to get them to integrate on a soccer field, you know, it's different than basketball, but it's still the same fundamentals, you know, trying to get to who they are as people and trying to get those people to come together as a community and to win a championship. You know, that's like the ultimate goal. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's a private school, public school, whatever it is, it's just coming together and trying to understand that. I think that more people need to be a part of teams and being, a, you know, and seeing some of that. Absolutely, absolutely. So with that being said, rest easy again to everybody we spoke about tonight that we lost in the world. A lot of important figures uh, across the board. Robbie, new guest on the show. You get the first round of final shout outs. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, uh, it's been really enlightening and it's fun to talk about something that's, a, I mean, not fun, but it's interesting, I would say, to talk about things you know, that aren't just sports all the time. I, I've been on four different shows this week, but they've all been hockey or you know, basketball or, you know, all different sports. But uh, I definitely, uh, hopefully if anyone hasn't checked this out before, sportsothp.com, I have an archive of our 200 plus shows that we've done. People can check it out. And uh, every Monday, seven o'clock, uh, they can, uh, we talk all different DC sports. Or we talk six different major sports, but we talk you know, NCAA or whatever the big sports are at the time as well from a DC sports perspective, uh, Sports on the Hill podcast or sportsothp.com or so search Sports on the Hill podcast on Facebook or anything as Carol mentioned before. And we'll come up and uh, we, I really appreciate it. And Katara has been a longtime friend uh, and uh, we've done a lot of great radio together. A lot of great Marvel shows, actually, that we used to do on True Radio Network, which uh, will always have a big place in my heart. And hopefully we can uh, do future Marvel shows whenever, you know, Black Panther 2 comes out. I, you know, 
I, I would love to be a part of that if you guys would do shows in, in absolutely, absolutely. And before you came on, I had mentioned, I was like, look, because of Katara, she's been the caveat to all of this. The four years that I've known Katara in some kind of proxy, we've kind of all had this working relationship with y'all at True Radio Network and us over here. And y'all get big ups and shout outs all the time by way of Katara, even me. I've been on her show several times. She's been on our show through the years until she came on full board with us. So it's, hey, like I said, it's, we could do these mashups all the time. All you just got to do is say when. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate the opportunity. uh, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You don't have to run just yet. First lady. All right. Um, Once again, shout out to uh, Sports on the Hill for stopping by, of course. Um, I do have my one of my masks for the giveaway. So if you see, I don't know if you can see that real well, but see how it's blinged out, Black Lives Matter. That's one of the prizes I'm giving away. Um, And all you have to do is just... And well, I'll give the um for the I'll give the uh, details tomorrow and in, in the uh, starting five group. Shout out to of course the starting five and everybody on the live and and everybody that's gonna go to my blog. Shout out to them once again. Shout out to Dan and John. It's always great talking with you guys. Um, it's, you know, I'm still remembering when we do New Year's, we do, we do the New Year's show. That's always that? fun. <laughs> yeah, that's always fun. So just shout out to those good times. JP, you know what to oh. do. Yeah, shouts to you, the mayor. Shouts to our guests, um, Carol and Robbie. And um, Robbie, I just wanted to say, it's been a tough year for you all in D.C. sports as well as far as deaths because... If I'm not mistaken, we also lost Morgan Wooten. Was it back in January? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, been, it's been a tough year for sure. Yeah. And he, he, he was another legend, legend, legendary high school basketball coach who probably had the most, has the most famous basketball program in high school history in DeMatha. Um, I just like your page as well. I found Sports on the Hill. So I just, I'm definitely going to. This is some podcast to follow you guys as well, man. So appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, we I would love to be on the show. We definitely talk some DC sports one day. That's so right. um, yeah. Um, also shout outs to Katara as well. Shout outs to TJ. Know you're over there working and stuff, but shout outs to you too, brother. And um, shout outs to everybody on the feed, supports our show. Shout outs to you all as well. Yes, sir. And as always, thank you to everybody who's on the show. Carol, you, Robbie, uh, Katara, as always. JP, TJ, who is MIA tonight. Not MIA. The brother had to work. You know how it goes, man. But uh, next week, more dope stuff. Make sure you're paying attention to the group. Join the group. Get more people to join the group. Share the group. Share this show. Help us get our numbers up once again. Please visit, as I tell y'all every week. And before I show that, also, too, shout-outs to Quanstar, our first patron of the group. Big ups to Quanstar. And y'all need to go follow him under his IG at Quanstar1976. That's Q-U-A-N-S-T-A-R-1976. Go hit that brother up. And once again, thank you for being the first patron to the start in five podcast yes. make sure y'all again 
hit up the star5podcast.com. Right there on the homepage, you see we display in the COVID protect, face protection. You can find that under our merch link, Patreon link right there at the front page. You can click the page, click it, click the image, and it'll bring you right there. You can find us on the all. You can find our homes right here on the homepage too. Google Play, Instagram, Facebook group, iTunes, Spotify. Make sure you're following and get, hitting the podcast so you can see when the shows pop up on the streaming under pla- that streaming platform. Anchor, find all our streaming platforms. Definitely help us out. Cop some merch. Make sure you hit our affiliates link too, and hit up some of our friends. I am one of the owners in HHDG Media. We got some dope blogs up, some dope stuff on the way. Former sponsors, Hook Rubs and Spices and Dingo Dance Beard Oil. And then if y'all haven't still, previous guests of the show, Tracy Lee, go get that album ASAP. One of the best albums of the year that I've heard so far. Coming soon to the affiliates page, former guest of the show, uh, Retro P, a.k.a. Nicole Porter, Porterhouse Records, the album's coming out very soon. Steak and Potatoes. It, you'll see that up on the affiliates page very soon. Another album you're going to have to go support. First single is Absolute Fire. Maybe next week I'll play that on the show because I know we ain't going to get no copyright strikes from a brand new indie upstart label. So, but I digress. With that being said, y'all, for everybody who's been on the show tonight, everybody in the comments, thank you. It's your boy, the mayor. Say peace. And we'll see y'all on the next one.